The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Hi, I'm Matt Lieb. And I'm Vince Mancini. And this is pod yourself a gun a sopranos podcast where vince mancini and i go through every single episode of the sopranos and talk about it and it's the last one you guys we did it we did it. We did it. I was just matching your energy there. I don't know if we were doing a thing or not. No, that was the thing. I was I was trying to be like, you know, every other episode we did, you know, it's just like, hi, I'm not that. And, uh, yeah, you, you know, this like time that. I do sound like that. I Sometimes I listen back and I'm like, why am I so dorky? Um, but then, uh, yeah, anyways, uh, I, felt, I felt like, I don't know, give some gravity to this one because mm-hmm, it's the last mm-hmm. one. It's this very is the special 80- pod yourself again. It's a very special one. It's a lot. It's we've done 86 episodes. Whew. That is or something like that or 84. I don't know who's counting, but uh, it's we've done every single episode of The Sopranos and this is the last one. And it's a very special time for us because, you know, um, I've been asking, I think, since day one for five stars in a review. And um, you guys have been pretty OK at it. But we didn't reach a thousand. And mm. um and fuck all y'all. That's what I want to say. Oh, that's good. All right. All you motherfucking... No, I'm just kidding. No, I, I I, really appreciate all the five stars and reviews we have gotten. It is, it's been really sweet. And, uh, you know, even though this is the last one, uh, this podcast is, is going to live on. I mean, people who are listening to this right now may have discovered this a hundred years later. You know what I mean? And, and by now, maybe the person listening to it is like, what are you talking about? You guys are the, the biggest podcast in the world. And uh, and you're the king. You you're both president. You know what I'm saying? I zoned out. You, what are you talking about? I'm talking <laughs> about how you know podcasts like just because it's over doesn't mean people can't listen to it later. You That's know, it's not true. like the, yeah, the no. feed doesn't end. I'm no. saying it's evergreen as and long maybe as they all right. Keep paying the host. We're we we'll could be, be dead. There. It'll be here long after we've mm-hmm. we've dead we've deaded. So. 
just want to say thank you, obviously, to uh, all the people who gave five stars in review and also to our big, big donors, $100 donor Charlie Penner, whose um, name should be changed to Charlie Penne because that is Italian for penis mm. and he's got the biggest one in the world, uh, equally as big Huge. as Jason's, who has a big $100 uh, penis mm -hmm. as well. Three-figure penis. Yeah, and also someone down, you know, down to the fucking, like, at the fucking buzzer was like, fuck it, $500. We have a $500 patron. That's incredible. N isn't that great? Nathan H., oh, my God. I, I fucking love you. I appreciate that people were choosing to invest in us instead of uh, crypto. And uh yes. I think and you I made a see, wise decision because this is we, a tangible product that we're putting out here. Exactly. You know? we, we're paying off way more than your apes. I th feel like people aped into the pod and the slurp juice is plentiful and everyone's everyone's winning. Mm -hmm. Everyone's everyone's winning. I don't want to. I'm not going to talk yet, but what do you get at the $500 <laughs> level? This is What's take that? it out of the podcast. No one needs to know that I asked this question, but what do you get? <laughs> no, I got to keep it in. Know. All right. The five hundred dollar level, uh, you know, here's the thing. After one hundred dollars, because like the one hundred dollar level, I was uh, originally was like, oh, um, if you do this for three months, Matt will fly over to your hometown and do stand up in the your in the nearest stand up club, and then like that was kind of a joke. But then the pandemic happened, and obviously I couldn't do it. Yep. But now everyone um, is calling in that that favor. Yeah, you, you should know start I mean? doing that favor. Hurry, man! You're gonna have a. I want soon. to. I, I want to. I know Jason. Uh, he's over in Arizona, and I need to. I need to go and and visit him. And Nathan H. I don't know where you're at, but wherever you're at, get ready because if you're I'm gonna about go to, to Arizona. In. You want to do it right in the summer. That's what everybody says. That's the like, best time to go. Yeah. And I'm. I was just gonna say, Nathan H. Um, I'm. I'm packing all my amyl nitrate to get that butthole open for you <laughs> because you, I'm assuming. Uh, that if he spent that kind of money on a Sopranos podcast that he likes, that he's probably in New Jersey, which means you'll get to play like maybe you and Jim Brewer can share a bill somewhere at the Stress Factory in New Brunswick. Oh, that would be nice. I would love to work with Jim Brewer and just like just kind of watch in awe as yeah. he like does a pigeon movement. It's so and, good. And the piggies laugh yeah. <laughs> for an hour. <laughs> They're like, just this is going I never realized that this was about getting vaccinated. I thought he was just <laughs> imitating a man with long arms. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he does, does a, a good, good pigeon. He does a good dinosaur impression. I, I anyways, like <laughs> what are his thoughts on viruses? <laughs> um. Anyways, so the, uh, thank you to, to all those patrons. Uh, we fucking love you. Okay, today, Vince Mancini and I are going to be talking about from season 6B of The Sopranos, episode 9, Made in America. And our guest, you've heard him earlier just like a second ago but also yeah. a few other times this is our favorite all-time closer guest no. this is a guy where like whenever we have a, a season finale the dennis eckersley get... of podcasting mm -hmm. i'm gonna bring him in here you do me a great honor exactly dude the fucking closer the brian wilson not the beach boy but the pitcher yeah, the of guy. baseball or podcasting fuck <laughs> You know him, of course, from the wonderful uh, sports blog Defector. Ladies and gentlemen, David Roth is here. Hi. 
Thanks for I, having me. Thanks for comparing me to Dennis Eckersley and, and Brian Wilson, two of the more uh, curiously groomed closers of their respective eras. It means yeah. a lot to me. Yeah, I mean, you know, you got Brian's got that I feel beautiful. Like if you're a relief beard. pitcher and you don't yeah. have uh, some sort of ostentatious grooming choice, like you're really uh-huh. wasting an opportunity there. That's like yeah. your whole job. Eckersley had a couple because he had the mustache, but he also had the like Dorothy Hamill haircut, like the haircut <laughs> that every child has at the age yeah. of three. Yeah. He just like yeah. was out there pitching in the World Series with that. Yeah. I mean, you know, sometimes I feel like you do that to distract the guy, you know, at the plate. Right. You know, because there's a lot of pressure and then you have a guy, you know, looking like a clown. Right. And then you're going like, I can't I can't even I can't even see the ball because I keep looking at this fucking right. Dorothy so Hamill looking I thinking that's the person that was like the secretary at the elementary school I went to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> They're throwing a lot of nasty shit. I had no idea they had breaking pitches like that. Yeah. And that's what that's why we, we wanted to have you back on for a very last episode for that breaking ball, dude. But I'm happy more- to. You know, that that. Br- that breaking down ball, you know yeah. what I mean? Like yeah. break down the... Mm-hmm. Help me out, Vince. Mm. Thanks. <laughs> 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 oh, man. So, David Roth, uh, do you like The Sopranos? Yeah, uh, sure. The TV show? Yep. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah. Yeah, definitely seen it a few times before. Just different yeah. episodes here and there have been... Um, course been on your podcast to talk about it a that's couple right times mm-hmm. as well so those are episodes i've seen or that you know that i've read the wikipedia summary of before i came on sure uh, sure 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 i had not seen some of it i had you know rewatched here and there this is the first time i've watched this particular episode since it aired um, oh, okay so you know, same you for actually, me yeah you watched it when it aired yes yeah so that was my next question for you is this is of course the the famous sopranos ending and mm-hmm. uh i think everyone has a different story about what they were doing and what happened it's kind of like the it's like the 911 of our generation if you think yes. about it and so like what what do you remember what did you do when this ending happened uh you know the screaming crying thrown up sort of stuff mm-hmm. uh i so i had left i'd stopped watching the show for a little while in there um, yeah. That basically, like the a lot of the like the episode where Joe Pantoliano kills the stripper and stuff like that. Oh yeah, like, sure. I actually have still never seen that episode. Oh wow! I really? know enough about it. Yeah, I was just kind of sick of it for a while in there. Mm. Um, I had come back like by the time you know we the last time I was on we talked about the end of season six A. Right. And that episode I saw, and then I watched all through six B. But there must have been a part of a previous of maybe of six A where I was just kind of not. Mm. Uh, feeling it this i think was sort of like affirmed that it did get its feet back under it at the end but also reminded me of how incredibly fucking tired of making the sopranos david chase demonstrably was by the time they got to this point oh yeah oh yeah i mean it was i think that to me is one of the beautiful things about this episode which we will get into um but is is how much how self-aware the you know the writing is and direction of this episode where it is very clear that everyone involved is tired of it. And it's <laughs> like, we got to end this show. This yep. is like, we're, this is all is the same thing over and over again. Um, which I think is wonderful. But like uh, m- my reaction to that ending was I started hitting my TV. <laughs> yeah. Did anyone I else? Yeah. Thought no, I was confused. Was I was like, Oh man, did the feed, did the feed yes. go away? Like, was there a power outage at HBO? 
And I, I think that is like a, I think that was the response of a lot of people. I think a lot of people all at the same time went, oh, fuck, the TV just yeah. went out. Yeah. And which I think, I feel like feels deliberate. A hundred percent. It's like his war, his war of the worlds. Yeah. It, it can't not be deliberate because uh, I, I've watched this ending now a few times. And every time I'm like, there's no one in the world who wouldn't be like, ah, oh, fuck, the cable went out. And to end the <laughs> ostensibly the greatest show on television, maybe of all time, with a prank <laughs> is maybe one of the most bold choices in all of TV, yeah. in all of our I mean, history. I'll tell yeah. you this. I remember that ending a hell of a lot better than I remember like the Game of Thrones ending. Totally. Yeah. Totally. There was no, I felt like the there was no risks taken with the Game of Thrones ending. And there uh, there was no, I think for most endings of TV shows, a lot of the times, not unlike endings of books, we kind of put a lot of emphasis on like, oh man, it's going to end. Everything's going to tie everything together. We're going to use all of the characters. We're going to fucking uh, tie everything up in a bow. And when we don't get that, we complain and when we do get that we complain yeah and no i mean like if you compare this to say like the ending of lost like the ending of lost was probably like worse uh than the ending of the sopranos i mean all all endings of series are going to be bad because there's no way they could not be bad but i feel like lost was like bad pandering ending where it was like Hey, high five for watching Lost all this time. Whereas, whereas, like, the ending of The Sopranos... your lost points as you leave the... (laughs) Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Like, you get your lost uh, fucking decoder ring, and it says, yeah, thanks for drinking your lost powder. But but David Chase was, like, he did a bad ending, but he also was, like, fuck you. He, like, fell backwards off the cliff, cliff... Flipping you the bird with both hands, which makes yeah, me respect it a little more. There's so much of that in this episode too, where like, and th- that yes. was the part that I remembered from the the real like backstretch of the show was him just being like, "Is this what you want? This is yeah. what you want, isn't it? You little, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. you, you want to slurp it up through a straw? You want to, <laughs> you want the car to drive over Frank Vincent's head? I bet you do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's so amazing. Every single part of it feels like a fuck you. Of this episode, every single part. The fact that it's, uh, you know, a fucking AJ episode, essentially. It's a total AJ episode. It's an, it's an AJ episode. They ended with an AJ episode. They have that, like, ridiculous prank ending. Yeah, running over Frank Vincent's head and making it explode was... Uh, it I mean, is, is that's like, excellent. No, but that to me said like, oh, you fucking piggies want to see some violence, huh? Oh, is that all you want? Violence? I'll show you some. <laughs> like even even I think normal like Scarface poster dudes like looked at that and they were like, geez, damn, yeah, dude. That's, that's a, cool. a bit much. That's a little crazy. <laughs> I don't know. That made, I felt like that part turned me into a Scarface poster guy. I was like, oh, oh yeah, uh, his head. 100%. Smoosh his head is awesome. Oh, 100%. And we'll we'll get into that as well in the episode, uh, the importance of the Scarface poster versus not the Scarface poster guy. Um, the, the the two types of Sopranos fans out there that exist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the two wolves Which mindset you. are you bringing? Are yeah. you bringing the, the world is mine <laughs> approach to watching Sopranos? Or? I mean, you know, it's just like some people love it because it's a show about cool guys and violence. And some people are like, no, it's art about feelings and about capitalism mm-hmm. and about the Freud, war in Iraq. Freudian, Freud, Freud. It's about Freud and, about and Freudian Freud. Yes. Freud, uh, Freud. 
fruit and mental yes. health. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, and you know, those are, those are, I think, two competing warring factions of Sopranos fans. And I think this episode Sopranos ended- Sopranos fandom, like America, uh, is mm. a land of contrasts. Yeah. Wow, dude. Yeah. But What's impressive about it is that by the time you get to the end of it, like the show went on long enough and David Chase is ornery enough that he transparently hated both groups yes! of people <laughs> yes! by the end of it. And so yeah. every single one of them gets a finger in their eye over yeah. the course of 60 lean minutes. Oh, and we got premium TV. We got to talk about it. So, you know what? This is not a podcast. About, well, you know what? This is a podcast about the Sopranos. <laughs> and so <laughs> we must start it, of course, by playing the theme song. Pod. 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 Podcast. Pod. 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 Podcast. All right, ladies and gentlemen, and everyone else, today, once again, we're going to be talking about from season six B of The Sopranos, episode nine, Made in America, which premiered on June 10th, 2007. Vince, for the last time, mm. will you break us off a little piece of that synopsis? I sure will. Tony and his family have to stay in hiding until Phil Leotardo is dealt with. His family mm. doesn't like the lifestyle they've been forced to adopt. AJ and Meadow move on to the next step in their lives. Tony confronts Junior one last time. Absolutely. Mm. All those things happen. Yep. Uh, but what was happening at the time that this episode came out, Vince? Well, that's right, man. I think what you're trying to say is that we cannot evaluate art without mm. acknowledging the cultural context in, with mm -hmm. it, in which it was produced. Yep. And uh, we're going to go back and do that with a little thing that we like to call the uh, Remember When machine. What? Remember when it's the lowest form of conversation. Hell yeah. Uh, I'm going to miss that, dude. Yeah, we're going all the way back to June 10th, 2007. A uh, mm -hmm. lot, of, lot of headlines out there around this time. A <laughs> lot of ins, a lot of outs, a lot of what have you. A lot of what have you. Uh -huh. yep. uh, <laughs> <laughs> Chief among them. Uh, Colin Powell went on Meet the Press, and he said that the U.S. should close Guantanamo. Uh, oh hell yeah! Former wow. U.S. Secretary. So is that why they did it? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because he he said we should do that, and everyone was like, "Oh fuck!" Wow, good point. Hell yeah! Former yeah, U.S. So Secretary of State Colin Powell said on Sunday, "The U.S. military prison at Guantanamo Bay for foreign terrorism subjects should be immediately closed, and its inmates moved to the United States." Mm. Uh, quote Guantanamo has become a major major problem in the way the world perceives America and if it were up to me I would close Guantanamo not tomorrow but this afternoon and I would not let any of those people go I would simply move them to the United States and put them into our federal legal system Powell told NBC's meet the press mm. uh, essentially we have shaken the belief the world had in America's justice system by keeping a place like Guantanamo open and creating things like the military commission. We don't need it. And it is causing far more damage than any good we get for it. He added. I don't know about that, dude. I mean, you know, it's uh fucking, it's nice to have like 
a spot in Cuba to yeah. chill. It's like yeah. a pied a terre for people that they totally. can disappear into for the rest of their lives. I exactly. wish I spoke French because I never know what that means. Doesn't that mean like a walk on earth? Pied a terre? Yeah. It's yeah. like I a foot it. on the land, right? So like, what is yeah. that? I don't understand what it what it means in the context of like a cool ass villa. Is that's what it is, right? It's like a little flat. Yeah, it's like if you have if you don't live someplace, but you have an apartment there, so that when you're passing through in the oh. course of your awesome life, that you can yeah. just duck in and you know Dip then your... you're in your little studio in Stockholm, oh, right, right, right above the coffee place you like. Oh, so it's like cool. a vacation home. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. Sorry. Well, this is not a podcast about French terms. <laughs> no, um, this is a podcast about the surprise. Yeah. Well, uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, we're kind of light on headlines for this day for some reason. I don't know why, but uh, I, I have a theory. Why? I think What's I know that? why. What's that? Because everyone was like, I don't want to write news right now. I'm trying to watch the Sopranos. That's true. Yeah. We were all watching the Sopranos. I um, think so. In horse news. Uh, oh, good. We had the first lady horse win the Belmont Stakes in over a century. Yes, queen. A filly named Rags to Riches, a uh, champion American <laughs> thoroughbred. First oh, filly wow. to win it in over a century. Good for That's her. A f- good for her. You know what? It, it was her turn. Yeah. I got to yeah. say. Yeah. You know, she leaned in <laughs> uh, and fucking, you know, she, she fucking... Did she wear high hooves? <laughs> I'm having fun. Uh, and then I always like to throw in a, a, a slightly random article. Uh, you mean other than the uh, the horse news? Yeah, other than yeah, the, the horse, horse news, news is a recurring segment on yeah, your podcast. Right, yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just picked this one because the headline from the New York Post: "Sexed up snoozers on attack." Oh uh, no! Yeah. yeah. Everybody Wait, that what was living that... in New York in 2007 remembers the sexed up snoozer uh, we, issue. That was a big one. Yeah. We were all being attacked by the sexed up snoozers. Yeah, they were they were horny. They were mm-hmm. asleep. And sleepy. And they were on the move. <laughs> <laughs> she awoke in the wee hours to find her husband trying to have sex with her. He seemed glassy-eyed, out of it, unaware of what he was doing, the young New Yorker Yo, reported. what? Terrified, hmm. she had to fight him off. The next day, he swore he couldn't remember the zombie-like attack. When it happened again, she banished him to the basement. Then she filed for divorce. Fair. Her husband, she learned, suffers from sexomnia, an increasingly reported sleep disorder that can not only wreck marriages, but result in unwitting rape, incest, and sexual molestation, experts say. Mm, Sounds real. Yeah. (laughs) Definitely. Not only does it sound real, it sounds like something that deserves all the seriousness that New York Post headlines confer to any story that they appear above. Yeah. They're like, this woman was sexually assaulted by her husband when he appeared to be in a drugged up state. And they were like, um, how do we get some alliteration in this? Uh, Sex up snoozers. Yeah. On On that note, there's this paragraph. Uh, The new report, Sex and Sleep, What Can Go Wrong, by sleep disorder experts at the University of Minnesota Medical School, cites Mm -hmm. 125 cases of sex and slumberland, from ripping off clothes and violent masturbation to molesting partners or others nearby. The sex acts often come with loud noises and dirty talk. Okay. I mean, I'm not going to say that it's technically all fake, just because of Joe Sinclitico's sleep disorder of getting into fights. Um (laughs) He, uh, he, which he talked about on a uh, on a fracast where he, apparently um, he literally like starts punching in his sleep, and unfortunately, sometimes his there's his someone wife, nearby. Yeah, he has to sleep punched. in a separate room. Uh, yeah, and uh, and unless of course, this was all a ploy to get separate rooms, which you know, 
smart. Yeah. That's that is an interesting way of doing it. But it, it seems I don't know, like possible, but I mean Look, just if the if you, I think I trust the University of Minnesota Medical School uh more than I do you. So I mean, I do too. You're totally right about yeah. that. I'm just saying um it does seem a little bit like a very neat excuse for marital assault. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's not a it's it's not as fun a story as you'd think the, as the post as the post it really is it's really other. not <laughs> yeah. fun i'm not having yeah. a good time but no. i very much enjoyed uh the headline yeah. and then everything else after that was so much worse than like when you read the headline i was imagining like um very horny old people like kind of like trying to get their fuck on and they were just mm-hmm. called snoozers because like it's killer like, bees yeah, like yeah, story, like, like they're gonna come here from right South America. No offense to South America, that's just no where offense the killer to South bees America. We're from of course. Um, top movies in the country: <laughs> Ocean's Thirteen, mm. uh, Pirates World's Pirates of the Caribbean: The World's End, Knocked Up, Surfs Up, uh, Shrek the Third, and of course, uh, Hostel Part Two, which we all oh yeah remember fondly. Um, the top the second one pop song in the country. I'm actually surprised this is uh, 15 years old. Is Umbrella by Rihanna featuring uh, Jay Z? Oh um, man, yeah. Um, the top rock song is still "What I've Done" by Linkin Park. Yeah, and so that has been the Remember When machine. Yeah, that that puts us, I think, you know, in the proper context. That's right. For this we were trying to close yeah. Guantanamo, uh, and we were which, trying as we know, to stop. All know happened right away yes. after that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it worked out really easily. Um, we were all watching. You know, various uh, sequels, right. the Ocean's 13, mm-hmm. the Pirates World's End, uh, you know, the Hostel third two. Shrek, Hostel, Hostel two. 2, answering yeah. a lot of the questions from Hostel 1. Yeah, a lot of yeah. loose ends yeah. I had to tie up there. Yeah, exactly. I think they did actually kill off the one guy that survived from Hostel 1 at the very beginning of Hostel 2, if I remember correctly. That's fine. I like that because you start with a clean slate. Yeah, and then you're like, I never maybe saw it'll go better for everyone this time. Either around. of those for some reason, which is weird because I really, really liked Cabin Fever. I think that's a great movie. Yeah, but, yeah they're uh, they're not my favorite, but I have somehow seen them both. Uh, they're like they think it was just a matter of like having premium cable, and they were yeah. on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a lot of like good, weird character performances by gross character <laughs> actors in those. The guy, um. I'm forgetting his name. The dude from Suits that looks like the new general manager of the Mets. Got the kind of large, lower face type guy. You lost Not me at the dude from Suits. He's from Suits. You think I, you think I know yeah. what Suits, Suits is? You might be you're getting it confused with Franklin and Bash. I don't know mm-hmm. which. Uh, oh, maybe... you know what? I was getting it confused with Burn Notice. Yes. I feel people, like that. That's common. <laughs> that's, that's common. That is that's not a different thing. I was thinking of I screwed everything up. Yep. Yeah. I mean, the crazy thing is people watch all those shows. And you know what? That's why we're announcing today we are doing a Burn Notice podcast. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) It is all just Burn Notice all the time. We're calling it Pod Notice. Okay. (laughs) But anyways, that's what was happening at the time that this episode came out. We now know all the context. And uh, Vince, you read a really great synopsis. um, Thank you. And I have... I have a better one, and you know what? Okay. It's like th- this is the last I one. See how it is, and, dude. and um, I mean, you didn't write that synopsis. I'm not. It's I'm true, not yeah. clowning you, but like, it's it's not as good as this one. So, um, I hope you guys are ready because, man, dude, 
This this is gonna just blow your mind. Enjoy. Yeah. This reminds me of the song from the episode. Yeah, yeah. That's the one. <laughs> Hell yeah. We're just the Sopranos. The series is coming to a close. Tony and crew and family are hiding everywhere. Just the HBO. Number one TV show. David Roth sucks dick and eats the butt. He eats butt and butt. Yeah, dude. Take that, Mom. You can, of course, hear the rest of that song at the very uh, end of the episode. Probably my my greatest my greatest piece of content ever. Yeah, no, I, I think didn't... you captured the disdain for your fans the I same did. way yeah. that uh, that David that David chased, chased it. it. Yeah, yep. I really appreciate you taking the time to say some really rude, nasty things about me personally. It oh, makes yeah. me feel yeah. like I'm a part of the the team, like I'm a part of the podcast. You myself. are. You, you, that's the thing. When you're on, I'm always like, I gotta, I gotta, you know, uh, shout out to uh, my boy David Roth and uh, all the butts he's eating. Yeah, you know, thanks. all of the fucking the cum he guzzles. <laughs> Just wow. like, it's, uh, yeah, that was, and again, that also that also really came through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, you know, you see an expression like when you hear your family enough times, yeah. and it starts to lose its meaning, and then you experience the the true meaning of hospitaliano. Right. Here on the- <laughs> <laughs> uh, unlimited salad and bread dicks. You know what I'm talking about. Anyways, yes, there was a lot of uh, disdain for the audience and for the fans and piggies out there. Um, and you can listen to all of it at the very end. You know, it's a, it's a full song. You'll love it. Um, speaking of disdain for the fans and giving people what they want in a way that is clearly resentful let's talk about the final episode of the sopranos general thoughts vince how did you like this episode you know i was curious if i was going to feel differently about this than i did the first time i watched Mm -hmm. it and uh i really didn't i feel this basically the same way i remember this and no country for old men came out around the same time and i feel basically the same about both of them which is that it was perfect Except for mm. uh, they had a perfect ending scene and they didn't end on it. Like the to yeah. me, yeah. the shot of Polly 
sitting out front of Satriel's. Uh, right. Uh, he's got. He's sunning he, himself. He's sunning yeah. himself, and he's trying to shoo away the cat that he's become convinced is like the ghost of Christopher. Like, right. I right. could not. There's. I don't think you could come up with a better closing <laughs> shot to The Sopranos than that. And for yeah. some reason, they have like three more scenes after that. And uh, I just wish that they would have taken that scene and moved it to the end, and I would have been okay with it. Uh, I remember thinking that the cut to black i did the same thing you did at the time which was <laughs> like i was confused i thought like maybe my do the homer simpson banging <laughs> yeah. on your cathode ray TV. i was, oh, was yeah. worried about my the feed of my cable feed cutting out um, i literally then, called my cable provider <laughs> yeah and then yeah, I, I think had there's the, probably a lot of stories of people doing that uh, right yes doing. and then yes. when it, when i realized that it was deliberate i, I felt like it was sort of a troll i've read the fan theories about like oh yeah uh you know this is just uh this was a metaphor for Tony dying or whatever. And I think there's, yeah. you know, there's some evidence that, uh, you know, that maybe that's what he was going for there. But I think there's more, the more obvious answer is that he was giving you a few, he was giving you evidence in a few different directions. And in the end, just giving you the the middle finger. Like that was a big yep. fuck yeah. you. He had that, David Chase had that interview where he, and this was like recently, I think it was when the many saints of Newark came out where he was like, Oh, what right. did you want to see? Do you want, did you need to see like Tony's face down in a bowl of spaghetti? And it's like, no, that's not what anyone wanted, but you could have, you could have like given a little more closure. hints that yeah. th- a tiny bit of closure, yeah. even even still left it amb- ambiguous, and also given us hints that he had gotten whacked. Uh, but he didn't do that. He did a <clears throat> deliberate like "fuck you." I'm leaving this ambiguous on purpose, uh, right? And eat shit. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know whether I like that better or whether I would have appreciated. Uh, I don't know some sense of closure, but I, I don't love the ending. Yeah. Uh, at the time, I just want to read a quote from uh, David Chase not too long after um, The Sopranos ending, because I think he was legitimately surprised by um, people being mad about it. And the way that he dealt with that um, was to shame them for for not caring about more important things, yeah. <laughs> which, which yeah. is in- kind of incredible. It's an AJ he- response. Yeah, it is. Like, Hurricane Katrina is about to happen and you're worried about this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> he straight up said there was a war going on that week and attempted terror attacks in London. But these people were talking about onion rings. And it's like, you're a piece of yeah, shit. You're the one talking I about onion you. rings. <laughs> right. Also, like, wait, yeah, I'm you sorry, brought like, up like, onion rings. <laughs> That really is an AJ response there. Yes. I guess maybe you could give, because there's some, AJ is at operating at incredibly high levels of AJ throughout oh. this episode. Oh, yeah. Like really peeking out. And it, I can't tell if you can, I guess you really can't give Chase credit for goofing on himself in that regard. But it's sure. like that response is basically the same thing as AJ quoting Yeats yeah. at the <laughs> Bobby Bacalari, uh yeah. repast. You want to you have the same reaction as. Uh, who was it? Bobby's niece, where she's like, "You're all over the place right now." Yeah, what I don't know what you're talking about. about. <laughs> yeah, and and I have a I have a clip of that rant. I I love that rant so much. Then uh, here's a bit of it. Hey, we were discussing dream girls. You see it? You people are fucked. You're living in a dream. You still sit here talking about the fucking Oscars. What rough bee slouches toward Bethlehem to be born? Huh? Yeats. AJ. Yeats. The world, don't you see it? 
Bush let Al-Qaeda escape. Oh. In the mountains. <laughs> then he has us invade some other country. Let's join up. Go kill some fucking terrorists. It's more noble than watching these jack-off fantasies on TV of how we're kicking their ass. It's like... America. Oh, what yeah. about it? I mean, this is still where people come to make it. Yeah. It's a beautiful idea. Mm-hmm. Then what do they get? Bling? Mm-hmm. Come on for shit they don't need and yeah, can't afford? So mm-hmm. You're Snaps. all over the place. I don't know what you're trying to say. <laughs> I fucking love that this is an AJ It's episode. a perfect... Yeah. like it, that, that poem is a perfect pull because it is... Yes. It, 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 it has inspired like generations of uh depressed guys i mean like if you read that poem like the whole there's really no greater idea in it than man shit's fucked up right now huh right (laughs) kind of feels like things are bad and getting worse yeah and it's and it's been used so many times since then to express that exact same exact point you know there's like the joan didion book slouching towards bethlehem and, and and like it has a fig mm-hmm. leaf of like high art, but really like what she's saying is, man, shit's pretty fucked up right now. Yeah. <laughs> and you're yeah, like, yeah, no, dude, it's fucked it up. is a- about uh, as trite and hackneyed as when people are like, you know, first they came for the blank and I said nothing. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like the same fucking like hack ass response to things is just like it's it's practically a meme at this point yeah, for sad that's the boys. part of it that's the, the i think is really like unfair because i think it's a great poem i think the writing in it is great it's just also one of those things that at this point like when i hear someone yes. quoting it like i'm either thinking of aj or i'm thinking and i don't think it's actually mentioned in that but the the um the christopher walken movie the prophecy where he's like a bad <laughs> angel and he comes down and he rips eric stoltz's heart out and they're trying i haven't to end seen the that sounds incredible though. which is like like a total like 90s apocalypse trash and it's the yeah. same deal where it's like you know really like kind of high flown like Vigo Mortensen plays the devil and all that and there's a lot of it's a lot of stuff happening in it and yet at the same time you're kind of like this is like you're it's like a kaiju movie but with angels like it's right. like, it's about fights yeah. like it doesn't need to be a rough beast slouching towards anything in particular what you want is like a super punch yeah and <laughs> and, and there's there's something about like an entire poem that is just a I don't know, a, a very uh, smart and intellectual way to say um, shit sucks, break stuff. Yeah, but I'm, like, I'm upset. I'm depressed right now and shit sucks. I mean, he's yeah, a, you know, yeah. it was a very uh, eloquent way to say that, but that's basically what he's saying. Yeah. yeah. Also, I'll give uh, Chase credit for in all the ways that he insults and taunts his audience that making the last episode of his beloved TV show objectively an AJ episode yes. is one of the funnier meta ways of doing that. Yeah. Like, I know incredible. what you guys want. I mean, you want incredible. fucking Jason Giambi Jr. over here like, yeah. I mean, getting I think, upset in the garage. I think there's some logic to that sh- that choice beyond it being like a troll. A troll. Like, it makes yeah. sense yeah. that like You're the pointing end... It forward and all that. Well, yeah, the end... The, 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 it makes sense that the last episode would be sort of about the next generation carrying the ideals of Tony and whatever forward and what that's and hinting at what that might look like but Mm -hmm. uh, but AJ is just such like a good character that AJ is the the character of AJ is such that you could never confuse it uh, for (laughs) confuse him for anything but depressed like you could never you you cannot find anything like profound or uh, like yeah profound about AJ like Right. The and, and I think defies that. what I love about this particular AJ episode and the arc of AJ, um, n- not just in the episode, but in the entire series uh, is that this 
to me feels like on a very meta level, um, the two warring factions of Sopranos fans, um, the dumb guys and the intellectuals, mm-hmm. um, you know, who the two wolves that live inside. The, yes. Sopranos. the two wolves <laughs> that live inside all of us. <laughs> there are there are two wolves. And they're both dumb. And that's what I think I love <laughs> yeah. about this is that like it this felt to me like you were saying earlier, David, like like David Chase had grown to hate the other side almost as much as he yeah. hates the uh, the people who just wanted the blood and the violence and the cool guys stuff. and And I think he almost makes a decision on who is better. Uh, or what is a better way to live your life? And he decides dumb guys. That's yeah. the way to go. And, and, and you see it in the arc of AJ. And so like to get into like AJ's arc, um, we start with, uh, we see AJ uh, is, you know, he's at a safe house with the, his mother and um, Tony shows up and AJ is hanging out with Rhiannon, who's like his, his girlfriend um, and you know, uh, or not his girlfriend at that time, which I, I think I, I'm, I'm a huge fan of the fact that, that he's like dating a high schooler yeah. <laughs> and, and, and who's an elite his, model. Yeah. Who's an elite model. And like his parents are like split between being weirded out by it. And like, they're, they're mad at him either way is what I'm saying. They're, they're like one, she's a high schooler. That's weird Two, You're not even fucking her. Like that is <laughs> kind of the, the yeah. feeling I got. There's also like a nice little added element, which I don't think is unique to North Jersey, but does rhyme with my experience growing up there where they're label conscious in the most like, bizarrely open-minded sort of way where they're like an elite model like they're never gonna leave that out like it's sort of like my son who's a doctor by the way yeah like it is but it's like he could be like he that's like conrad murray's mom bragging yeah yeah or something like it's just kind of like and then they they ended on him like getting to fuck uh and then the car burns and the whole time i'm watching that i'm like is the is the burning Xterra like some sort of sexual metaphor here? Like, what are we? Uh, no, like, are we doing, no, are we doing no. Art? It's 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 the best thing ever because you hear him. You know, I'm not. Uh, you know, I'm not dating her. You know, she's uh, she's in high school. Plus, like, she doesn't even want to be a model anymore. Like, he's getting mad about it. Like, <laughs> she wants I have, to do something real. She wants yeah, to make a Yaz record. I, I have a I have a, a clip of of that part. Wouldn't kick her out of bed for budget cookies. Real funny. Which again fine. is a, another beautiful malapropism. Like, yep, yeah. I wouldn't kick her out of bed for fudge and cookies. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, nice work. She's a model. She's doing some modeling. Okay. She's Why are you yelling at me? What? She's quitting modeling anyway. She's tired of being exploited. Like this entire um, fucking emo uh, pseudo intellectual thing he's got going on you know is is kind of being applied to everything in his life you know his rant at bobby's funeral um or at the wake um you know talking about rhiannon like you know she's just tired of this world exploiting her and then like and then he listens to bob dylan in the car with rhiannon (laughs) And a and really I, serious look on his face. Oh, too. and <laughs> saying like, "Wow, this guy really is just as deep." Advertising. As <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have. I love, let me just have that clip. He kept telling me this guy's good. <laughs> <laughs> it's a 
amazing. It was written so long ago. Yourself, I just love, wow, you kept telling me Bob Dylan was good. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't until I met a model who was in high school that I realized yes. that Bob Dylan was... Uh, and, and again, just like the, the Yeats poem, the choice mm -hmm. of Bob Dylan is perfect in the same way because I, I've always... I've, I don't know. Like I, I appreciate mm -hmm. Bob Dylan for what I think he is, which is a musician who is really good at these sort of like scat poems that sure. I don't yeah. feel like they had a greater meaning. And it's weird that, uh, I mean, they, they had a meaning they did have a, I mean, uh, Bob Dylan had a very almost on the nose point with a lot of his songs. You know, I think he was, I feel like he, he was, was the explicitly, 60s political i feel like he was the 60s version of kurt cobain where uh okay <laughs> yeah that's guy. fair yeah. like he did like he he gives you just enough um nuggets of coherence for you to like make something out of it yourself yeah but... you're like i caught advertising signs that was one of the words he said yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's especially so true. good too because that and so that yates poem plus bob dylan are like absolutely replacement level signifiers of like going through some stuff yeah. but like in an <laughs> yeah. intellectual way Yes. which is perfect it's like it's not anything that like like he really just found it on the like the middle shelf at the going through some stuff section mm -hmm. at the barnes and noble and the willowbrook mall and like that was right all he needed yeah and it's like what what i love about it is that like up until this point he has been at least for this season depressed aj has almost been saying the same kind of incoherent analysis of america as I think a lot of people's incoherent analysis of what the Sopranos is about. Mm -hmm. He's almost to me representing guy who thinks Sopranos is super deep. Yeah. And, and that, that's the thing. I'm that guy. I understand that we are that guy on this podcast, but like he's now come to represent uh, like that, like me and this podcast entirely at this point, like the amount of kind of like cynical mental gymnastics that, you know, that we do to kind of like make a show that's about titties and meat about like capitalism and American yeah. empire. It's like, he is doing it in the same, I think incoherent way that maybe I do it sometimes Ooh. where I'm just like, you know, it's a show about America, man. Like it's about like, all oh, all we get is bling and like, People still love this place. We got to stop the terrorists, but also like, why are they, you know, yeah. <laughs> and it's like war, a war on, it's a show about the war on terror, but like, also it's about mental health. And, <laughs> and then he parks on dry leaves and yep. the car goes on fire and explodes and that ignites his dumb guy brain. Uh, it, it like it, it switches where all of a sudden he realizes like, Oh hell yeah. Do you, guys ever, do you, guys, do you ever see idiocracy? Oh yeah. yeah. Remember the moment when like they like get, they're running out of the car and Dak Shepard and, and uh, one of the Wilsons, I forget which one is Luke. they're like Luke Wilson. They're, they're running out of the car and then the police start shooting at it. And Dax like turns around and it's his car. <laughs> And he's just like, oh, yeah. And then they keep shooting at it and explodes. And he's like, hell, yeah. <laughs> and Luke Wilson's like, dude, it's your car. And he just can't stop pointing at it. Like, oh, it's on fire. That is that is what happened to AJ in this episode. And he almost explains it as much to his therapist, which, which I have a, a clip of. Yeah. When you were inpatient, you said you might try and get a job. 
Well, I can't now because of the car. I need to get a bus schedule. <laughs> Step one. Is, ever since it blew up, I feel like cleansed or something. Because it was a polluter. No. I'm mean, just watching it go. I mean, that huge fireball. You have no idea. The heat. <laughs> My seat melted. I had been in it just a few seconds before. I mean, he's just like straight up, fuck yeah, dude. Yeah. The fireball was big. Big fireball, <laughs> hot big fireball explosion. How, how did that make you feel? Excited about how sick it was. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Really like, that, that that's, bit, I love yes. that scene too because there's so many ways. Like, I mean, again, like while everybody's standing in for everybody else, the therapist mm-hmm. being like him being like, I felt liberated. And the therapist being like, by what of the many obvious symbolic <laughs> things yeah. were you liberated? And he was like, no, I can get another car, you know, like a different car that I like more. That's different that I could make out with my girlfriend. And she's 16, but she doesn't want yeah. a model anymore. But like, that's like, exactly. So AJ's dumbness and like the sort of like the fact that he's like authentically moody, but also authentically shallow. Like this mm-hmm. is, they actually do pay that off. Yeah. Like he winds up as like the person that, he probably should be. Yes, oh, yeah, 100%. He he absolutely does. Because, like, he is fucking, you know, trying to find himself throughout this whole series. It's all about his identity. And it's about everyone's identity, in, in a sense. But he is someone who's truly lost. Because his identity from day one of the show is, like, cool new, new metal kid who wants to, like, break stuff and skateboard and, like, kind of break the rules. And, like, as he grows up he realizes okay i'm not a mobster i'm not an athlete i'm not a skater i'm not a criminal i'm not anything like what am i am i a club owner i don't know and then eventually he's just like i'm a sad guy who wants to kill himself and then his parents are like what if you were a movie producer and he's like yeah right. yeah what if i was a movie producer exactly <laughs> what if you had the one job that required the least of you but also you had a car yeah and there was girls around yeah. <laughs> like yeah they get you him just a job come up with dumb points about a script that you sort of half read And I love that they get him a job as like literally he's uh, some sort of a development executive, which is the greatest like Hollywood insider euphemism for like when you're like, oh, I'm a development person. You know, it's always just like it's a step above being an assistant, but it's like it sounds like you're doing work. You know what I mean? It's like the greatest job because, I mean, essentially he was giving his script notes about America earlier. Mm -hmm. So you can just apply that to like someone's script where he's trying to give notes and the writers just like, I don't know, man, you're kind of all over the place. You're asking me to do like five completely contradictory things here. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And and it's almost like it's a side of nepotism that uh i never really considered it before like i'm always uh, nepotism or like privilege where it's like usually my thought is when someone you know is a rich guy who gets into the uh, entertainment industry or someone who's like families in it and they get in it my thought is usually fuck those guys man like they fucking they're they're not working for these opportunities but then i like look at aj's side of it and it's like the, his parents are like we're trying to get him not to kill himself in <laughs> Iraq or, you know, trying to get him not to like be, you know, suicidal or like become a drug addict. 
there's nothing else we can do to stop him from this trajectory other than to flex some privilege and get him a job in the entertainment yeah. industry. Throw a, like a do-nothing job at him that will enable him to like be comfortable and have the little treats that he likes. Yes, and, he, yeah. the treats and the plaque that says, this is your identity, this is your job, this is a, a, a cool car so people know you're cool. Yeah. You can pick up your high school girlfriend and everyone knows you're cool. All he needs and, is like a series of empty signifiers to be happy. Yes, yep. yes. And, and so, you know, I never considered that side of like, all the people in Hollywood that I resent who like have family in the industry or like have family who's very wealthy. So they were able to work their way up in this industry. And I never considered that if it wasn't for these jobs that they were taking up, they would be dead and in the street somewhere <laughs> or like cannon fodder in Iraq. Yeah. So, you know, I feel I, I you know, the uh, point taken David chase <laughs> Point taken, but uh, it is it is a great arc for AJ to like kind of finally come around to the person that he's always been, which is like a fail son, yeah. and and they're allowing him to do that without humiliating him, which I like too. You yeah, know what like, I mean? David Chase very much doesn't showing. Him. Sorry, I'm uh, finish what you're saying. No, oh no, that, that's it. I was just like David Chase doesn't humiliate him. He um. He gives him, I think, kind of a proper context and says, like, it's okay. Yeah, he's dumb and he's not competent. And that's okay. Look, he's happier now. He's he saw cool big fireball. Hot girlfriend, <laughs> big fireball. That that is you could call that person dumb, but that intellectual person is like miserable. So yeah. who's leading a better life? And I, and I love have- I love the that. framework, none of the critique, like none of the things that he's saying, if you take them, none of them are especially deep, but all of like his like speed run of kind of like gloomy 2007 politics points at yes. the Bobby Bacala or Bob, <laughs> Bobby Bacala's wake. wake. None of those are wrong, but right. the girl is right. Like he is all over the fucking place. It's just kind of, it's like a, like a King's Things column, you know, yes. like, just like <laughs> ellipses separating observations. Like soup yeah. is a treat that can't be beat on a cold day, you know, yeah. but it's all about like lo- the, you know, whatever national loss of identity and mm-hmm. uh, crisis of meaning and all that. Yes. Yes. But I, like, I, that is how it resolves. Like it is like, this is basically how most people deal with that. They don't have, he doesn't have a framework for a critique. There's nothing around him in the culture he lives in that would help him take those disparate, but not incorrect points and have them cohere into an actual worldview. Right. Like that's not an option there. Like you're sitting at a table with a bunch of children and Paulie Walnuts with his pants unzipped going, did I eat? You know, like, so I love yeah, also, so this is probably the best case scenario for him. I think, I think right. so too. And, and it's the, it's the scenario in that kind of, I don't know. It's like the outcome is just better for him because, you know, like he's not a bad guy. He's just kind of dumb and incompetent. And that is he's he's absolutely just a fucking product of the environment that he grew up in and not in the same like, I don't know, sympathetic way that like someone who grew up in the hood or in the ghetto or like whatever, like someone who grew up poor is like a, a product. It's like he's a product of like this like this small middle class like petite bourgeoisie (laughs) now i'm starting to talk like him but you know what i mean like it's like he's that's just who he is man it's like i look at chet hanks and i go that's who he is and i respect it yeah well he's a he's a victim but like you can't see him as a victim because he's too like dumb privileged unsympathetic and that's generally the case like yes you know you don't have to pity 
people to recognize that they're uh, like products of their upbringing. And yeah, uh, that's sort of the case with him. Right. Yeah. You can see that as like both of the kids in this episode do sort of like, I mean, Meadow was always obviously going to have an easier time of it because she's like can read at grade level and seems to be able to like function socially in a way that AJ can She can can't. succeed in the meritocracy. But they're oh, both yes. they're both achieving a certain type of exit velocity, which I guess yes. in some ways you could say is like a success for yes. the soprano parents and that she's going to be like she's doing her brief stint in the world of like uh Law. you know public service stuff, but then eventually it's just going to become like a progressively richer and mm-hmm. progressively less liberal liberal of course and you know but it's also like out of this thing of ours yeah and yeah, then yeah, yeah i was laughing at that i had forgotten that like it's patsy parisi's son that she winds up with and yeah. so the idea of like patsy parisi jr being upgraded to like patrick parisi like maybe there's no k on you know there yeah. it's like again another perfect little like sort of sopranos joke the way that all these people sort of go through this car wash and mm-hmm. emerge on the other end as like normal unreflective suburban people I mean, despite yes, yeah. all the shit that their parents went through they're both taking their place in the patronage system in one way yeah. or another sure yeah and and you know as is their uh blood as right. is their birth yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and but yeah it is uh, it is kind of wonderful to see uh, i i agree with you vince that it's like there is i think a legitimate reason for it to be an aj episode to close it out um, but I, I am firmly of the belief that it is mostly a troll and I, I and I think that of this entire episode and uh, where I disagree with you is that upon rewatch, I loved this episode. Mm. Oh, so I, do I. I just don't particularly enjoy the ending. Like, oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think I, upon rewatch, I, I now enjoy the ending and I think I enjoy it because I I understand the I think just absolute hatred that David Chase has. Yeah, yeah, but there is so much good closure in the Polly storyline. I mean, it, yeah, like it's the perfect uh, things wrapping up, but always staying the same uh, at the same yeah. time. Like the fact that Polly has finally gotten offered uh, the capo job that he's always wanted, uh, mm-hmm. but is now. Uh, wondering whether you should take it. And then uh, we we talked about this before on the broadcast in terms of uh uh Inside Lewin Davis, which is probably my my favorite movie and uh like the yeah. best part is that there's like this uh magical cat in it and Brett's quote was like every movie and every TV show should have a magical cat. Uh, right. which I 100% agree with and like I <laughs> and watching this I was like god damn did the Sopranos like invent the magical cat? Because uh, it's just like a perfect. <laughs> no, Hocus Pocus did, dude. Like, there's this. Uh, I mean, I because I I don't love you know like magical realism or like symbolism, sure. but I like when there is that magical cat element where there's this there's this element of it that has a little bit of the supernatural in it and has a little bit of just like sort of cosmic ambiguity to it. Totally. And it, it always makes everything like a little bit better. Uh, and that's why I really love this whole storyline because it's like yeah. the the Christopher Cat gives Polly the fuel to be like the most Polly that he could ever be, which is sure that he's he's like holding on to uh, the old world superstitions for, yes. for some reason, even while being even like while being this thoroughly like modern 
guy Absolutely. Who, yeah. I, doesn't want to work too hard. I, I have think that a, you can give the episode a lot of credit for how much Chase had figured out what all of these characters were about and how to make them funny. Yeah. Yes. So like Polly like like going like Madone to a cat that's like standing on the table in front of him is like it's perfect like that's he's achieved his like final form that's where he should be yes ditto for I was thinking that there was one I mean it's like a pretty obvious little bit of sitcom writing which as I think Mm. Vince pointed out on the distraction with us when we were talking about many saints of Newark that like Chase is still like such a veteran TV writer Mm -hmm. that there's a lot of like moves from generations past where she was, where Janice is talking, this is her last scene with Tony. Yes. And she's up there and she's like, I think I've, you know, managed to exercise all of Mm -hmm. the, you know, the influence of my mother. Not that anybody ever gives me any credit for it or that I ever get thanked at all by anybody. I I have that clip. I have that clip. It's it's perfect, but it's just, I'm a good mother. I put Ma and all her warp shit behind me. Oh, good. I get any thanks for it. (laughs) So good. (laughs) But that is, so that is like a Roseanne gag. That is a sitcom gag with a setup and a punchline. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's killer. Like I laughed watching it by myself, having seen it before. But again, it's like sort of Chase ticking all the boxes, but he's like so in command of the gags that would adhere to these characters that he's created that like that one and especially the Pauly one both really were like, yeah. I mean, they weren't loving because it's like he's so fucking over all of these people, you know? Yes. Yeah. But there was like an element of like at least some sort of affection or at least of like deep knowledge in sure. that I made mean, it kind of fun to watch. I have this stuff with the cat. Let me just play that clip because it is, it's just one of my fucking favorites. He was at the safe house. We brought him over. Get him the fuck out. <laughs> he's a snake, but fur. You old Italians will tell you. You can't even put him around the baby. They suck the breath right out. Well, you're the only baby here, so we're ahead of the game. You want to be wearing this fucking pelt on your head? I said get rid of him. Leave him. He's a good guy. I just, I love, number one, I love that Tony loves cats. Like, and you you know that he loves cats because he called him a good guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. One of ours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's a friend of ours. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just, his fear of this cat is just so fucking funny and like later that character walden is telling him that his mother used to have a cat who would either stand in the corner of the house staring out or stand in the corner of the house staring in (laughs) and he like polly is like we have to murder this cat (laughs) like like, as if that's witchcraft (laughs) and not and not a rat in the wall or some shit um now let's I you know I think we should also get into um Carmela a little bit. Uh she I think has a really easily wrapped up storyline in here. Um I do love that you know like they're so AJ's car burns uh and then they're like they're like grasping at straws to figure out why this is AJ's fault even though it's kind of like yeah. it's like a weird fluke. It's one of the weird it's one of the few things that's happened to AJ that isn't a thousand percent his fault this one you're kind of like well i don't know i guess he parked on some leaves and that made the car explode that doesn't really feel super like his fault but it is unlike most of the other things that have happened to him it's something that theoretically could happen to someone else yeah yeah and she does the thing where she's like what if there was children in those leaves?" oh that's my fucking favorite (laughs) i have that i have that clip i didn't see the leaves you can grill fucking steaks on that converter (laughs) i told you 
If there was children playing in those leaves, you'd have run them over. I guess. Oh, you gonna get chilled now? <laughs> I was just answering her question. Dad, he wasn't being funny. You mind your own goddamn business. Unless you want some of this too. Mr. Fatmouth. Yeah, Mr. Fatmouth. Yes, the idea that she would be like, hey, you know, it's almost like she wanted to go with like, if everyone else is jumping off a bridge, you jump off a bridge. And instead it was like, if children had been there, yeah. you would have killed them. And yeah. he, he truly is correct to be flummoxed by whatever the fuck she's talking about. In this episode where Carmela is just kind of like absolutely reaching the edge of like Carmela things that you like where she sees Hunter and Hunter's doing fine. Yes. I in love Meadow's that room. Scene. And she was like all prepared to be like, so have you stopped being fucked up so far? Because that would be yes. you should try not doing drugs. They make you skin bad. And instead she's like, I'm flourishing. I'm in med school. Like everything's oh, uh, good. And she's got nothing. She can't say anything back. She's, she's just, like legitimately mad about it. Like yeah. she, you can you can see that she is She's not happy for her. And it's crazy because, like, like, I mean, you can't even fake it. It's like she has something with, like, her daughter not being in med school that is, like, killing her. Yeah. And, I, also, um, I feel like uh, David Chase's daughter, who plays Hunter, I feel like she convinced her dad. She was like, you gave me one cameo when I was, like, 12 and, like, dead smack in the middle of my awkward phase. Yes. What if you yes. gave me, like, one more cameo to show people that I look normal now and I've right. grown into, like, a beautiful woman or whatever? Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like that was a fair thing to do was yeah. to like put her back in and just be like, see, she's not like she's past puberty now. So, yeah, yeah. you know, she looks great. Um, But uh, yeah, it is like uh, it's a great scene. I have a little bit of that. Miss Hunter, long time no see. How are you, Mrs. Soprano? Oh, my God. When was it? Uh, it was right around when you quit college. You're being kind. I was kicked out for partying and drunk driving. Well, I didn't want to say, but, uh, well, that was always you. She's not being kind. No. Nothing she just said is being kind. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you brought, you brought up a bad time in my life. In the yes. first time you've seen, within the first 30 seconds of when you've seen me for the first time in years. Yeah. And, and like the idea that I haven't seen you since this horrible thing and then being like, well, that was always you. A terrible person. She's <laughs> so cunty. Uh, but then Hunter gets back at her. So what are you up to now? I'm in my second year of med school. Oh. Yeah, I completed undergrad at Purchase. Got my act together. Yes. Uh, they're going to be here, Meadow. <laughs> just complete. Not, no congrats or nothing. Yeah. Just yes. Well, this Great. is Goodbye. that special. Yeah, this is of no interest to me anymore. Do you have anything, like, I don't know, do you have gas or anything? Have you had any bad experiences recently? Do you have like, any fodder for my petty grievances? Yeah. It is Which so I, for some weird. reason, have against you because you're my daughter's friend, and I'm yes. just, like, swinging wildly at the entire world. The idea that she would be competitive for her daughter in that sense, where she's just like, at least you beat that bitch Hunter. And it's like, <laughs> why do you hate Hunter? I don't understand it. But it, I, I do feel like it is a great way of like kind of not wrapping Carm's character, but kind of, um, you know, uh, just that continued insight into her absolute like petty. Yeah, fucking... exposing her as just as venal and petty as every other character on the yes. show. Because yeah. like there was periods where, you know, Carmela seemed like the, the voice of reason or like totally the audience stand in or whatever. And mm -hmm. uh, David Chase through this whole season is going to great lengths to be like, no, there is no voice of reason in this world. Yes, there yes. Is no... She's as unhappy and 
as any of them and un- more unappeasable than any of them. And that is just how that is. Yeah. Like yeah. Her in the, in the safe house being like, I noticed that Oda in the air. Yeah. Like, yeah we're yeah, just yeah. kind of like, well, it's a safe house. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that, yeah. <laughs> so that a man. This is a, a place to be where you won't die. Yeah. So like, the alternative is you can be in your own house and then a man with one of those like really smooth leather jackets like shoots you. <laughs> yeah. You just get murdered by a fat dude in silk socks. Yep. Like, cool. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it is, uh, it's great. And you know, at the end it's just her, um, going up to Tony while he's raking leaves and looking out and being like, the consensus is Holston's, which I love the idea <laughs> that like, it is, it's this, you know, beautiful moment in, that is interrupted with her being like, everyone is, well, I've taken a poll of the Sopranos family and it's diner <laughs> food tonight. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's lovely. Have you ever um, eaten at Holston's, David? Is that a real place? It is a real place. It's in Mm -hmm. Bloomfield. Um, I've been by it, but I haven't been there. The place that I liked to go in Bloomfield, and I remember my dad taking me there once when I flew back from college on a red eye, was a place called the Shortstop Diner, where they would serve you eggs and bacon in, like, the little cast iron skillet they Mm. made it in. yes. Good shit. Um, not what you should eat if you've been up all night. Like and on an airplane, but it was you <laughs> sure. know beyond the the repercussions were what they were. Uh, I very much enjoyed that. Holston's is, I believe, is still open, um, and it really is old. I mean, I think it it maybe is a hundred years old. It's like an old ice cream fountain place, yeah. soda fountain type thing. But no, I've not been there. Like, there's the way that New Jersey works, or at least that part of New Jersey is that like we had our own sort of version of it that was less good, but every town kind of does or like any town above a certain size. Sure. So you wouldn't go to Holston's cause it's like 25 minutes in the car. If you could go to like Baumgart's and it's like five minutes in the car, right, you right. just go there. Um, yeah. But you should have, I mean, I would like to go to Holston's. I don't know if it's still doing tourist biz off this, but I know for a long time they, they really were. Oh, I it can makes, imagine. It makes me think of Bruce Willis, who I guess grew up in Jersey somewhere, mm-hmm. where I listened to that podcast where he like tried to take over a whole town uh, in Idaho. And like one of the first things he did was like bankroll, uh, you know, an old school diner like yeah. this where you know he was spending all his money to like operate this diner at a loss solely so that when he came in to this town in idaho to like go skiing or do whatever like he, he would could have get fucking disco fries yeah like, on he, demand. <laughs> yeah awesome. he could he could have his diner food but it also had like weird you know hollywood shit uh that you wouldn't be able to get at a diner because he was still sure. a famous person yeah, yeah I want a fancy Johnny Rocket. Yeah, can you yeah. make that? Yeah. It's like a '50s diner, but it has like an extensive tartar program. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Yeah. Like, why is there a sushi menu? This is weird. <laughs> it's, it's just like I used to have it when I was growing up in Neptune Township. Yeah, <laughs> you go. Every time I go to uh, Sundance, like I'll go, we usually st- we usually stay in this condo and it's next to the big supermarket in Park City. Mm-hmm. And during Sundance, every time you go in there, there's at least ten people like sitting down at the tables eating like the fucking uh, supermarket sushi at oh the at, at, at the, at the price store. chopper. And it's like, I don't know, like I love sushi too, but like when I go to fucking ski towns like it's not my first instinct to get yeah <laughs> it's just really it's a that very is incredible that you're so dedicated to the hollywood lifestyle that like wherever you are if you see yeah. sushi you're like yes. i should have that yeah it's no got you, a lot of the good oils you have it. to have the thing that you're used to having no matter where you are and you demand yep. it it's great 
Yeah, yeah. Just it's a bunch of AJs. For... It's a bunch of development executive AJs that yes. are in there eating yeah. fucking sushi. I have to have my mom's cooking. It might mess with my blood chemistry. It's the same <laughs> shit. I do like it's... the idea of everyone at Sundance, like the AJs of Sundance, but they're all eating just manicotti at the like Whole yeah. Foods. <laughs> a bunch of cheese blooping at the end. They're like, oh, just yeah. At the, just at like a really fancy theater watching a screening of some art movie with a whole fucking bowl of manicotti <laughs> and just like sl- Slurping it. Oh my God. It's like, it's my mom's. Uh, He's getting in a dispute because you're trying to sneak Cavatelli into crimes of the future. <laughs> I'm here for work. Yeah. Well, why does. Um, you can't bring a backpack in here and it is dripping oil. <laughs> it's obviously full of gravy, sir. Yeah, why do you have gravy in that bag? Um, but yeah, so to, to get into um, uh, Tony and the mafia storyline of this episode, um, we open, the opening scene of this is, of course, Tony waking up in the safe house um, because that's been the, the theme has been of uh, the season, I think, is every opening shot has been Tony waking up from a bed. Um, I mean, this one I felt like was very art. clearly like coffin imagery. Like, yeah. He's, yes. He's on his back and he's got a little white pillow under his head and he's yeah. uh, you know, center framed. Like he looks very much like he's at a wake. And I think I, I'm assuming that was part of the gag with the opening shot of the of the episode. Yeah. Yeah. They're doing they're doing a little bit of uh, symbolism, a little bit of art um, and uh, kind of a joke. And uh, so like. Next, we see him immediately. It cuts to him being in that in that van with Polly, listening to the same duop music they've been listening to since they were kids, um, and just kind of waiting for the FBI agent um, to show up. Who um, it, it seems like this is the the big payoff for all of this, like the Arabs at the Bing and all that stuff. We, we finally is, humanized the FBI agent for some reason, yeah. and the way to yeah. humanize him is like, yeah, he's got a pain uh, in the ass wife and a gumar yeah. too. Yeah, yeah, he's got a bitch wife. <laughs> um, and the, yeah, so we have... I have we're not that. so different, you and I. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're, we're both tired of these broads. <laughs> um, all right, I have a clip of that. Hey, probably another hour. Just leave it out, all right? I'll, I'll heat it up. What? Then don't leave it out. <laughs> what do you want me to say? <laughs> He just hangs up and he's just like, my wife. Uh, like, <laughs> it, is, uh, it is great. And having that moment in front of Tony where he's like, anyways, um, <laughs> if you could tell me where the bad man is, uh, <laughs> that would be very helpful. Um, so it's, yeah, it's clear. Tony is just tr- trying to get some information on the whereabouts of Phil Leotardo and agent Harris is telling him that he is overreaching. So then we have uh, Tony Soprano. He is uh, he's back at the safe house. Envelopes are light. He feeds a stray cat and he won't come visit Syl in the hospital. And he goes upstairs with his big machine gun. Um, <laughs> then next we have. Uh, so Butchie gets a call from Philly and I feel he's just mad that they didn't kill Tony earlier. And he's trying to suggest um, Butchie's doesn't say it but he's trying to suggest that they just don't go through with this war everybody's sick of phil's shit at this point yeah not surprisingly and i love that he's walking through this like area of um little italy 
And, um, you know, he's taking this phone call with Phil and he walks like one block and he's just in Chinatown. Yeah. And he and he looks around and he's like, oh, there's too many Chinese. <laughs> oh, this is not good. This is not what am I supposed to do now? There's Chinese everywhere. And it's like, have you never been to Chinatown? <laughs> like, how long has he been hanging out at Little Italy and just right. being like, it used to go on for ages? <laughs> It's now a, you go down Mott Street, you can't get pizza no more. You, yeah, That's you, been true since 1996. <laughs> <laughs> right? Exactly. Um, and, uh, yeah, so, like, Tony uh, visits Janice, and she's doing... It's like, oh, I can't believe these Chinese are taking over Little Italy. Oh, where do you live? <laughs> I live out in the mansion up in North Jersey. Yeah. Right? Like, oh, yeah, I don't know why <laughs> yeah. that happened. It's so weird. Yeah. It's not like it used to be when yeah. I lived there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we have Tony visiting Janice and we kind of, uh, we wrap a bow on that storyline with her basically saying, I don't care what Bobby Jr. does, but I'm keeping his sister so that my little girl has an older sister, which, um, truly twisted shit. Um, and, uh, you know, just makes me love her all the more because she's gonna, you know, that she's still alive after this and she is just she's responsible for emotional damage yeah like untold a a free-floating trauma event moving through the world (laughs) yes just constant like literally a a natural disaster yep just at all points in her life for anyone she is uh who surrounds her long may she wave (laughs) (laughs) um tony gets a call from agent harris and uh agent harris tells him he's like hey Philly is hiding out in o- Oyster Bay, Long Island. Uh, he got his info from this Brooklyn office. It's such connection. a funny scene. Like they had to crowbar the fact that Agent Harris had a unsatisfying sexual experience with a colleague in there for some reason. Yeah, he has a Gumar who works at the Brooklyn office. But she's like mad at him. Like they had, they had bad. Se- like they, it's heavily implied that the sex they just had was unfulfilling oh, that- in some way. I thought she was mad because she knew that he was passing information yes. to his mob buddy. Oh, yes. I, I mean, yeah, sure. I don't know. It felt there was a there was a vibe that like they were not happy with each other there, and I guess we could speculate as to why that is. But yeah, yeah. yeah. I like that you immediately went to like his dick game's atrocious well i mean like his dick game that... is definitely atrocious oh, we sure. know this i mean it's like cop. inherent have, to the character if yeah. you have great sex i don't think the first thing you do afterwards is think oh i gotta call my mafia buddy and tell him that, right uh, yeah. this other guy yeah. needs to get whacked. a cab stands for all cops are bonerless <laughs> um so you know how to book flights and hotels all you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive that's why you need viator Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. 
Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, Information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. But yeah, uh, he I assume that was his connection at the Brooklyn office that he has been alluding to this whole time. And, uh, you know, it's their way of being like, hey, FBI oh, you think people the girl are the, re- the you think the Gumar was his. Uh... Yeah, that oh, was okay. his She's got a badge and everything. Yeah, she has a badge. Yeah, but why and... would, I don't know. I thought I thought when he, his connection was like someone in the muff. I don't know. No, no, no. It was someone who works at the Brooklyn office okay, who, okay. you know, keeps more tabs than think he, he does. Was, he was pumping her for information? He was pumping nice. her for information. Okay. You I know see what, what you did I mean? there. Yeah, hey, yeah, that was cool. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so I, I think it's like, you know, he's got a Gumar. The The real gangster is uh, the FBI as well, I guess. Yes. Um, so, uh, yeah. So then we have the sit down. Tony talks to Butchie. They come to terms. Um, a bunch of shit. It's almost like watching it. The, even in the edit, they're like, who cares? Who cares? Who cares? Who cares? <laughs> yada, 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 yada. Everything's good. And then immediately cut to the, everyone's moving back inside their homes. Like war over. It was the quickest way of saying, anyways, the war ends. And now, um, Butchie's basically said, I'm not going to tell you where, t- where Philly is, but you do what you got to do. Which is um, too bad for Phil. Yeah, um, I don't think he survives the the thing that happens to him in Long Island. I I it's don't strongly implied that he does not survive it. It's implied, but who really knows, dude? You don't know. You know that it cuts to black, and yeah. what what I mean is it cuts to black people, black people throwing are, up because we're throwing just up over his head. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> Um, so yeah, we got to talk about this, this incredible death scene, um, with, uh, Phil Leotardo, uh, cause throughout the rest of the episode, I mean, this is 15 minutes in and the fucking, the war is over and it's just like every 10 minutes, it's a scene of people, mobsters looking, 
uh, at different gas stations for the payphone where in Oyster Bay where Philly is making his phone calls. And so uh, towards the end of the episode, we finally see Phil um, and he has his wonderful goodbye which is just it also I, lo- so I feel yes. like there's also an element there of uh, boomer like nostalgia where it's like can you believe we don't even have payphones at the gas station anymore yeah. everybody's yeah, walking yeah, around yeah. buried in their cell phones and so like Philly Leotardo gets undone by the fact that nobody uses payphones anymore there's only like right. three yeah. payphones yeah that's right school for his own good yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, they would have had to like monitor every single gas station with a, a payphone in the area. But there's like, no, there's only two of those anymore. Cause you know, fucking society these days, <laughs> you can't. You know, got a, a Facebook. Um, <laughs> but anyways, the the fill scene is just incredible, and I have a I have a clip. Bye bye. Wave bye bye, Grandpa. <laughs> bye bye, Papa. Bye bye. Bye bye. I gotta make a phone call. I'll meet you at the drugstore. I should get a 60 day supply of the plasma. Again, I the feel man. like you could watch this like you could just watch the show with the video off and like the uh the sound editing is good enough that you understand what's happening in any given yeah. moment. Oh, absolutely. It's the most translatable like TV show to podcast I think that exists. I mean, just that head being yeah. crunched hardcore foley art that's like yeah they had to put a like a watermelon in the mouth of a hippopotamus (laughs) they had to buy a hippo (laughs) but what i love too is like visually the detail of like the little like so it cuts to group of black kids hanging out um and like they they're they see the head you know being crushed and basically their role is what it's always been on the Sopranos for the most part for any black character is to be like, damn, yeah, that is whack. Yeah, ex- <laughs> exactly. And so I almost feel like they wrapped up that storyline too. Like black characters on the Sopranos. It is all wrapped like, up in a bow. That is a wrap for all members <laughs> of your race. Yeah, exactly. On the show, it's like they never, never made it to that other level where they like were where they got a single black writer or producer to be in yeah. there to be like, hey, maybe make us with substantive. But uh, I also love the guy who says, oh, shit, he's got like little arms. Um, like, And I don't know if it, it's a disability or if it was the angle of the camera, but it's just such a it's like a weird sight gag that they do. And it, like for maybe one of the most gratuitously violent deaths in the show where it's like. I mean, there's one thing to shoot a guy, but you're going to have his head be run over by an SUV and splatter like a fucking grape and yeah. have a little have a guy who's got uh, strange arms or malformed I arms. Mean, they're doing being the, like, oh, shit. They're doing the thing that, uh, you know, classic movie villain death scene where it's like once the once the audience grows to hate a villain at a certain level, we know that like a simple death 
just yes, won't, it do. won't do. Like you, you yeah. have to like impale him on something, or you yeah. know, you have yeah. to desecrate the corpse. You can't just kill him. And uh, right. And I really enjoyed it. No, yeah, me maybe too. That makes I love me a it. piggy, but I was like, ah, oh, finally they whacked fucking Philly. Yeah, I mean, he was yeah. shit. just a terrible guy. I oh, mean, yes. like, worst. And I remember being like, sort of, when I was getting myself back in the sort of headspace of this, like, I would have assumed because he was awful a whole season ago, where he was like going up to um, Christopher's mother and being like, "I'll take that Walkman and shove it up your box." Like yeah, that. Right. Yeah. that was like fifteen episodes ago. Yeah. Like he's just stayed like that. And what I think what Christopher says about him always stands out in my mind is like, and those jerk off eyebrows. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. He's got a longer run as a like older sociopath on the show than anyone else. It's a great character, very memorable character. And you're right that they do seem to like, as much as Chase is just like dragging his ass across the finish line, firing double birds off in every direction. (laughs) There's clearly also a part of him that's kind of like, you know what should happen to this guy after he gets killed? Yes. Like, there's like yeah, a yeah. little bit of extra zest on it. Yes, like, I think exactly. he's kind of having fun with that bit. They added some seasoning to it, and yeah. I think we all enjoyed it. And, you know, the sight gag with that guy, it's almost like it was an homage to David Chase loving to do sight gags with people who have in any like he loves a fat joke Mm -hmm. he loves a joke where someone has weird eyes he loves anyone who's got any part of their body um bigger or smaller or you know malformed he's just like (laughs) like he it's surprising this did this show have any little people in it i'm trying to think no surprisingly no i mean i feel like the uh what's the in bruges guy's name uh, yes, the, uh, McDonough. The yeah, yeah. the Malcolm, McDonough Martin version McDonough. of the Sopranos Martin. would have had a lot of uh, a lot of little people in it. Yes, right. It is yeah. kind of bizarre that it did not too, especially for a show with this many dream sequences that they've really like kind mm-hmm. of have always like had their thumb on the scale, pressing like for extra dream heft. <laughs> yeah, you would yeah. think. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you know, like it. It, it feels like he's like that's just not his kink little people just aren't his kink is like anyone who is like morbidly obese yeah, and or grotesque. yeah grotesque in some way or just like anyone who works good for like a small sight gag that lasts about five seconds but Putting that the two babies in the car so that they're dressed identically is also kind of in the same universe as that yes yeah, it's like something like a little bit of extra uncanniness, so that you know mm-hmm. that he's like underlining it and aware of it. Yeah, yeah. It's that but also, is... that's just his for yucks. Like that's just his thing. Yes, and and it carries on with that wonderful Sopranos tradition of um, we're going to show you something awful and it's going to be hilarious, <laughs> and uh, they did a great job with it. So that is the end of Phil. Um, and, uh, and the a- end of Agent Harris, who goes, damn, we're going to win this thing, which, uh, I thought was cute. I remember at the time watching <sighs> that. No, I you know, that's, like... you know, that's a real thing, right? Yes. That's based on a real thing. What yes. Is the, damn, that, we're going to win this thing. That line itself was something that there was like a sort of disgraced FBI agent who was a part of the, I want to say like the Colombo crime. There's one of the crime families from the eighties mm-hmm. yeah. who was like probably doing something similar in terms of like favoring some party that was like giving him information with information yes. and reportedly did say that. And one of his like, um, like underlings reported him for saying, we're going to win this thing after hmm. the news of someone getting killed. Yes. And then he had to like, the agent had to like go in court and be like, I meant like society's winning. Yeah. Like yeah. everybody's yeah. winning. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> 
the royal wig. Yeah, uh, I love that. Yeah, I mean th- that to me was just like a great way. I th- I enjoyed that. I see Vince didn't like it, but that's because you you obviously never read the book The Five Families. Which Clearly, is, uh, yeah, no. A great book. Um, was it too on the nose for you, Vince? Is that basically? Um, it no, it felt like w- in a couple episodes ago, they've been doing this thing where like there's news reports about the Sopranos and and like they Geraldo is like interviewing mafia experts about like mm-hmm. what's going on and uh, it, it felt like they're making characters uh, our proxies where. You know, like he's thinking that we, the audience, are rooting for the Soprano crew in this mm-hmm. war, and uh, and then and then we need like we need one character that represents us, like the way we're cheering for. And I was, I don't know, yeah, it makes more sense that that was a real thing that they tried to crowbar in there, but yeah. but yeah, it does I, kind of feel like I don't know that I know how to use the phrase "hat on a hat," but it is the sort of thing where, yeah. like, it's already pretty clear that David Chase hates us for watching the show. <laughs> like you don't need a guy who's like literally just this like testicular cop guy mm-hmm. being like, "This is you. That's what you're like. That's when you yeah. watch it. You sound and look like him, right?" Yeah, it's yeah. like Mom, I feel piece like, of shit. You think you're easy. a good guy, but you're also bad. When yeah. like the nerd culture was the real a big thing, I felt like there was always one character in in mm-hmm. the things that was also a fanboy, like in. Uh, like in one of the Star Wars movies where they had the the girl when she meets um the fucking uh what's the guy's the the black guy's name that's the stormtrooper that becomes like a good guy Finn Finn yeah, Finn like she fanboys out she fangirls out on Finn and it yeah, kind of Ro- Rose does yeah yeah and it kind of feels like that that it feels like it's part of that trope where they're making one of the characters like a fanboy for the Sopranos. And I was like, eh, I don't know. Yeah. I don't think I need yeah. that. If you're the Sopranos, you don't need to do something that's like mostly a move for like the CW shows in yeah, the Marvel it, universe. True. Like, you can do better than that. It felt out, out of character universe, for like a fairly, um, not necessarily stoic, but like he's an FBI guy. Like he talks like a fed. He never, he doesn't really get excited over things. Uh, like he was like, he already hey. showed, he showed his cards that he was rooting for the Soprano crew by like reluctantly or whatever, giving the information to have him like fanboy out. seemed like they're gilding the lily a bit. I think they just really loved that. That was a real thing. And they're like, we're putting it, putting uh, yeah. that in there. Now yeah. that I know that it's a real thing. I think that's exactly what happened. Yeah. But um, yeah, so no more Agent Harris. You know, bye bye, Phil. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. Get him out of here. Wait, bye bye. Um, <laughs> and then uh, so to wrap up another thing. Um, this is the also the finale of um, all of the therapy storylines, which are wrapped up wonderfully. With Tony going to visit AJ's therapist. At this point in the episode, AJ is like said, I'm going to join the army so that I can learn how to fly a helicopter so that I can eventually fly a helicopter for Trump, which mm. great logic. <laughs> uh-huh. yep. Totally makes sense. Where else are you going to learn that? Where uh, else can you learn It's funny that? that his parents are horrified and it was like, it seemed like the one of the first good ideas that AJ's ever had. Yeah. Right. At that point, I, I think, especially in like 2007, when there was like this feeling of um well certainly we all know this is a bad war and we're gonna get out you know even though we didn't you know what i mean it's like i it does feel a little bit like i i would have figured they would have been into it but instead they're like god damn it he wants to die again um (laughs) so so they go and visit his therapist and um kind of 
you know, try to dig a little, get some information on what exactly is going through AJ's head. And then uh, fucking Tony uses it, uses it as an opportunity to do his own therapy. And David Chase uses it as an opportunity to say, I and the rest of us are all tired of this bullshit. <laughs> um, and I fucking love this scene. He says he wants to get past the hate. Focus it only on the terrorists. I really can't reveal much more. Right. Even though we're paying. This whole therapy thing, I gotta tell you. What? My mother was a borderline personality. So what? I don't know if you knew that. No. <laughs> well, I did not have a very happy child. No? There was little love in the house. He's mentioned your mother very briefly. Very difficult woman. <laughs> Undermining. Tried to place her in a retirement community for her own good. She turned on me completely. You see, I never could please my mother. Just an incredible fucking joke. An incredible joke. The most self-aware they have been, I think, on the show in terms of the therapy scenes kind of repetitiveness where you're just kind of like yeah he goes through the cliff notes of like six seasons in 10 seconds yes yes he goes through everything where he's just like fucking you know uh my mother was like this retirement community i never could please her you know fucking just uh, and then you know finally you know he's she was a borderline personality i love that he's like got the fucking dsm6 fucking diagnosis of his own mother so that was the as a as a confirmed therapy boy that's what i loved about that scene was that there's a mm. way of being in therapy because effectively you can do it forever you're not oh yeah gonna, it's not like i you know they don't give you like a certificate at the end of it and they're like right. you're no longer neurotic like <laughs> yeah they, you likewise. graduate from being yeah. a psycho right but he's got that like it's a thing that can happen when you've been in therapy long enough that like he has like you said he's got like the thumbnail sketch of his whole shit and mm-hmm. he can just be like Here's my, like, this is my diagnosis. Here's, like, the mm-hmm. other, like, the sorted traumas that are associated with it. And here's some, like, other, like, unenumerated, uh, like, issues that I have. And you can do all that in 90 seconds because you've been hearing yourself say the same shit and you've been told this by authority figures before. And yet that's not the same thing as insight. It's, like, the opposite right. of insight. Yeah, Because you basically, at some point, you've just, like, you've learned your lines. Yeah. And you yes. know what you're supposed to be doing. And then you're just like, well, if I do this enough times, then I won't have this diagnosis anymore or whatever right and it's like and it works like that also on a meta level in here in which they were like oh the the engine of this story or kind of like the the way that we do this particular type of uh, exposition is he goes into therapy and he like learns something about himself that he then uses to do criminal stuff and uh and it's like it's the same thing where it's like after six seasons Every therapy scene, you're going like, okay, what are we learning anymore? Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't know. We're not, I'm not getting that like insight anymore into this character. There's like moments where, yes, you do, but like at this point, I know the character well enough to know where his resentments are, to know why he does the things he does. Like there's no, there's no surprises anymore. So it's almost like they know that. Yeah. And like Carmela serves as, the audience when he's like, I never could please my mother. Yeah, and she's she making like gym this... faces at him the whole time. Yeah, yes. which is... <laughs> yeah, she's Jim which... from the office facing yeah, him like it. this guy. But yeah, it's it is. So it's funny. definitely like I think that's like it's not my 
personal takeaway with therapy, but it does feel like mm. that's like for sure a finished thought for Chase there that like yes. this is what you actually learn in therapy. Mm-hmm. Yes. Is like yeah. how to like be the same forever and become like an expert of being that. Yes. Which yes. is like kind of, you know, grim, but it's not, you know, not any less grim than Janice being like, the boy I never cared for. He can, he can fuck off, but I'm taking yeah. the other one. <laughs> yes. Like, There's a lot of grimness, you yeah. know? It's, a, I think, a very uh, cynical and a pessimistic worldview that David Chase has, and it yeah. makes me love him all the more. Um, but, yeah, so that closes out the therapy. Um, we close out Polly with him passing on the promotion to Capo. Um, he was supposed to take over um, the Cifaretto Cif- crew, and he mentions that Everyone who's taken that crew has has died, um, including Gigi, who uh, died on the toilet, which I fucking I love a good (laughs) Gigi callback. Um, And then, yeah, he says he's going to give it to Patsy then. And uh, Polly just he wants to live, but not as much as he wants to be petty. So he takes the job knowing full well that he's probably going to (laughs) die. Uh, be just because he doesn't want Patsy Parisi to take the job <laughs> yeah. over him. He's like, I don't want to answer that fuck, um, which I love. And then, yeah, we have that scene where he, uh, you know, he, it ends with him sunning himself in front of Satrials while a very CG cat uh, sits near him and is supposed to be Christopher. This is the first time I noticed that the cat was um, green screened on. Mm. Did you guys notice I didn't that? Notice that but... Was it? Oh yeah, tell. that's funny. Yeah, it's I, early it, days I, technology there. I yeah, I never noticed it before, but I looked and I was like, oh yeah, 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 that's that's green screen. But I was yeah, I mean, who cares? Who gives a shit? It was um, a memorable. I always like this when this happens in mm-hmm. uh, Sopranos too. I mean, it's more of a thing I associate with like Hallmark movies, where mm-hmm. like they were just obviously filming on a fucking miserable day. There's a lot of really. I mean, there's obviously like yes. the snow is fake, but every time they're outside in this, it is windy. Everyone looks upset. You, there's, mm-hmm. you can see their breath, and it's not CG. That it's just like it's cold real, as shit. Yeah, it's some yes. January New Jersey shit. Like no snow, but everybody it just sucks. Yeah, <laughs> you're like why is it not snowing when it is negative 50 degrees yeah. out? Yeah. Yeah, no, it is funny. I was watching some David Chase interviews um to get prepared for this podcast to be upset at him. And uh, and he basically is like uh, what's one word you think of when you think of Sopranos? The person asked him and he says cold. And then he talks about how every day of the set, when we did something outside, it was miserable and everyone was having a bad time. And I was like, hell yeah, that's, <laughs> that's that, the dream. that comes through. Um, all right. We have two more scenes left to discuss. The first is the wrapping up of Junior, which easily I, my least favorite storyline. in this okay. episode. Like we already okay. did all this crap. I don't know if I'm just like over the whole dementia thing like there's no greater uh insight that we're gonna get there like i don't mm-hmm. i don't know what mm-hmm. what they thought we were gonna get out of this like we've already wrapped up you already we already wrapped up junior with the asian guy and that Beating whole thing him up. yeah like we did we wrapped it up well and then we're gonna go back to this oh uh, i i disagree completely and i think the reason i disagree is because it for me serves as it will serves a couple of purposes one is some really great acting from both um, Dominic uh, Chinesey or whatever, um, <laughs> and uh, and 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 James Gandolfini. Uh, <laughs> how do you pronounce his name? The guy who plays Junior. Chinesey. 
It's Chinesey. Chinese. And um, Close enough. yeah, he's a little bit Chinesey. Uh, <laughs> and uh, like fantastic acting from both of them. It serves that purpose, and it also serves the purpose of that ending line when Tony is like, "This thing of ours." I was involved with that. You, my dad. You two ran North Jersey. We did. Yeah. Hmm. Well, that's nice. <laughs> and then he goes back to staring at birds. I thought that was, I thought, a beautiful moment because it's like, it's a little sweet because he's like, oh, that's a that's a cool thing to hear about, you know, in my in his dementia stage, but also. These birds are kind of dope, though. Yeah. So I'm gonna keep what, like, oh, cool, bye. Like, it's like he <laughs> yeah. doesn't give a shit, and it kind of shits on the entire thing. Like, it earning a just that's nice is like for Tony. I don't know. I feel like that's a an insult to anyone who builds their entire identity on being a mafioso. Sure. Yeah, it's like that last the last fifty minutes of The Irishman, basically in one yeah. scene, <laughs> where it's like a, a gradually diminishing Robert De Niro muttering to himself on the soundtrack, <laughs> while like nothing happens and nobody is redeemed in any way. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. And I, I've, I, there's just something about that that I, I've, I like. It, it was nice to feel touched in that way like i i i find it to be a really um effective scene emotionally where i'm just like oh this is so sad for like tony and for junior to like it all ends up here you know you're either fucking dead or you're in the can staring at birds mm -hmm. at a in a fucking me i done both me <laughs> i did both i uh, like the uh, you're right that chinese's performance is very good there. He looks more like the Six Flags man in this one than he <laughs> yeah. maybe ever has. It's like overwhelming. That's really probably man, not the That's not the takeaway from this that I'm proudest of, but it is in mm. my notes where I was like, you should make sure that you mention this because he looks insanely like that guy. Yes. Yes, he does. And um, you know I can see how Vince might I, I also personally like the scene pretty well, but I can mm -hmm. see Vince's issue with it just in the sense that it does have that kind of the way that like the finale of a series that has like maybe not overstayed its welcome but like maybe not not overstayed its welcome you know it's just like been going on for a longish time yeah there is that tendency to like not just to tie things up but to like tuck everybody into a bed and be like th like the end of uh six feet under where they're literally like here's how everyone dies right, right and like i actually like that's something i don't really like six feet under very much i liked that they did that that they yeah that hard with it but there is a tendency to like sort of there's a, a tweet about this about um this is us that at the end of every episode all of the characters get together in a big bed and die <laughs> <laughs> it's obviously not what the show is like but there is this tendency to sort of just like wrap everybody up and be like all right well there's that's a wrap on uncle junior everybody applaud yeah. all right now who's next yeah i, just, I feel like there's a tendency and i don't know maybe it's just a me thing but i feel like people find the idea of like alzheimer's and dementia like more profound and cathartic uh than i do like i'm always like i just i don't enjoy it and i don't find anything it's the scariest thing in the world yeah, yeah just, i don't, don't want to see it i don't find anything profound or cathartic about it it just reminds me of a thing that exists that sucks and uh, that's miserable yeah. yeah 
Yeah, I feel like I, I, yeah, I understand that um, completely. I think it just for me, it's like, well, no, it serves, I think, a, a very interesting purpose, you know, narratively in the show uh, with regards to all of the bullshit that these two have been through together. And it all just gets washed away. Yeah, it's nothing. It amounts to said. nothing. It did nothing for them. Like, right. And yeah. what does it matter? And this is how it ends. Um, and then the ending, the very famous ending. Mm -hmm. We're at Holston's Diner. Uh, Tony sits down. Do you think this was the beginning of that song just being inescapable? Because I feel like there was a yes. good decade of mm. uh, Don't Stop Believing just being everywhere all the time. Yeah. I think this is demonstrably it, right? Mm. Like, I feel like it that's been, be. like, talked about. Because it yeah. was, the song was, like, kitsch. I mean, like, it was, you know, it's what it is, but it was the sort of thing where, like, I think even the the fact that that's what he would put on was, mm -hmm. like, this is... You know, it's not even at the level of him driving around listening to Steely Dan doing right. dirty work. Like, <laughs> yes, this is yeah. just, like, the absolute, like, corniest it, it, song you could It pick. is the height of kitsch, and it is, like, absolutely not the song you expect the Sopranos <laughs> to end with. Yeah. yeah. Of all the songs, like, if they had chosen, like... That's Amore. I would have been like, okay. <laughs> well, like literally any Van Morrison song in any with Van Morrison. Yeah, it doesn't song. even exactly. really fit with Tony's taste in music. Like he's been more of, uh, I don't know, more of like a '70s classic rock, um, right? And this is like I mean, post, like Journey is like post classic rock, like commercial, uh, right? Pop rock. Yeah. Like it's a different era of rock that didn't seem like Tony was into before, but. Yeah, and 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 not only that, but it's like the song itself has no, it has no symbolic value to why it was chosen. Like the <laughs> "Don't Stop Believing" is not a theme of the. Yeah. Like you could you could do some real mental gymnastics and be like, "Don't stop believing." It's like about how you shouldn't stop believing in the American dream. No. It is uh yeah. it is a choice that was made. Another fuck you, another kind of like, wouldn't it be funny if, you know, I just he plays Don't Stop Believing. And a like, very like, San Francisco band that has like nothing to do with nothing to do with Jersey. Jersey. Yeah. It's not a Springsteen song. Yeah. It's not fucking it's not Rolling Stones. It, like they do no. a lot of It's got Stones like shit. kind of a like the I the way that I would tie it to Springsteen, and this is the mental gymnastics that you were just describing. Yes, I'm about yes. to do a floor routine for you. That there is Hell like yeah. that. So in the way that like Springsteen has these songs where he's getting by on on vibe and like adjective choices, you know, uh -huh, where sure. it's kind of like yeah. jungle land or something like that, where you're kind of like, I don't even think this was your lived experience or anything. You're just singing about cars. <laughs> and then like this guy's playing a saxophone at some point and it makes me feel feelings. Yeah. That like Don't Stop Believing is kind of like that in that it's very like grand gesture, like emotional, and yet like it doesn't scan. Like if you were to like yeah. read the lyrics, you'd be like, there's not a South Detroit. Like, what are you like, <laughs> what are we getting at here? Even like what, because it's like the, you know, like living just to find emotion and all that. Like mm -hmm. it all works together. And yet it's the sort of thing that, it, you know, if you really want to give chase credit for like extra yes. double bank stuff, it is a bunch of, it's like a Christopher feelings Nolan and plot. emotions mm -hmm. gathered very densely around a core that doesn't exist. Yes. yes, it's a Christopher <laughs> Nolan plot where, like, yeah, it, exactly. Like, if you 
it works great because it makes you feel like tense and mm-hmm. uh, and like oh shit, some big shit's about to go down. But like if you if you like pause it and like work through what's actually happening in the story, it's kind of like nothing. But yeah, uh, but it's like the backwards fight from Tenet is so cool that it doesn't like it doesn't matter to you that you don't understand why anyone is doing any of the things yeah. that they're doing. Yes. Yeah. 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 I mean, I I feel like that is. All of those are possibilities that it was very, you know, it was considered and they would just were like, this is a very important song to choose for the ending. But or <laughs> I think he just chose it at fucking random and was like, hey, yep. here's a song. I think Fuck you. I think yep. they literally just had him looking through. They had a shot of him looking through the thing of all the music and stuff. And they were like, okay, another shot of him pressing the buttons. We don't know which buttons he pressed. And then they looked through the shots they had, and they're like, it's either this or Magic Man. Yep. And uh, <laughs> and uh, and honestly, Magic Man would have made more sense. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, but it was like they were just like, ah, oh, fuck it. They probably saw a few different cuts of it, and they went. That would with, be a nice little hold project on. to just have- recut this scene with like Barracuda. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. See if, see if it works. I have an article on why they chose that song. Oh, my God. Yes, please. Uh, the series finale of The Sopranos included the song Don't Stop Believing" because the crew had quite a negative reaction to it. Uh, <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. Yeah. Chase is just finding people he doesn't even know and punching them in the throat. <laughs> Good man. People work for him. It was recently <laughs> revealed in an interview by Chase with uh, on WTF with Mark Maron. Uh, when figuring out what the song was going to be during the selection process, Chase narrowed it down to a few options, including Al Green's Love and Happiness. When discussing it with the, his crew, they had an impassioned reaction to Don't Stop Believing that he did not expect, which shifted his consideration. Yeah, they all said, no, please yeah. don't. And he said, I'm going to do it, motherfuckers. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Cry more, pigs. I live off your tears. Yeah. I didn't know Journey... This is, this is an actual Chase quote. I didn't know Journey was the answer. In pre-production, there was going to be, this, uh, be a song at the end Tony is going to play in the jukebox. I was in the scout van with the department heads, and I had never done this before. I said, listen, I'm going to talk about three songs that I'm thinking about for the ending of the show. They went, ugh, Jesus Christ, no, don't do that, ugh, fuck. And I said, well, that's it, that's the one. I wasn't saying that just to throw it in their face. That was kind of my favorite, and had and it had got a reaction of some kind, so I can make this song lovable, which it had been. Basically, he's saying he chose it because fuck you, which was what it feels yes, like. Yes, yes. Yeah. Every single piece of evidence, every interview leads me to believe this man did an entire fuck you to not only the fans, but the industry at large, the whole show about fuck you. And it's like an incredible thing to not chicken out when it comes to a show that is becomes so popular. And so like he could ride out easily on how brilliant he is. And in some ways he is. Um, but like at that moment, I think most of us would be too afraid to be like, I can't end with a fuck you, dude. Like, yeah. this is <laughs> yeah. like, I got to give them what they want, man. Yeah. Cause I got to secure my legacy and a fuck you could get a really bad reaction. And then, or we could be legends. <laughs> and yeah. I he definitely think, did come up with the thing that people would be talking about 15 yes. years later, as opposed to any of the other options, even the other beloved shows that you can watch where they like tuck every character into bed mm-hmm. at the end of it. It's like, all right, yeah, I guess I know how that ended and it's over. The other yeah. thing that I will say that's impressive about that though, is that like 
the urge to like give not like a dignified ending or whatever because it's not these aren't likable characters he doesn't like them whatever that like to go out this hard and this negative like not like negative (laughs) negative, but just like to not give you anything to hold on to nobody escapes nobody is redeemed nobody learns anything even (laughs) that like he must have been so sick of this stuff like even more than i think i understood at the time yes because the hype over this coming up to this was overbearing like he was doing a lot of press he clearly never liked to do it mm-hmm. it was already obvious that he like this whole sixth season was made basically like at gunpoint because there is a contract to fulfill <laughs> and he still managed to surprise me by uh being even more spiteful about the whole thing I mean yeah, I this expected. is something that's very particular to his generation like I was watching the uh George Carlin documentary the other night and mm-hmm. uh George Carlin reminded me of my dad a lot in the sense that like that generation of people that went to, they grew up going to these like really aggressive, heavy handed uh, Catholic schools. And it gave them um, forever just this absolute reactionary hatred of like all things authority and all things like organized Mm -hmm. religion. And I sense that very much in David Chase, because I feel like probably the last two seasons he had so many people like in his ear telling him, what to do with the finale and he probably had all these people to try and please with this who had all all had like these ideas and these principles of uh you know what are the fans gonna like like how should you go out like how are you gonna Mm -hmm. secure your legacy and like this just felt like that very much that same reactionary being like you know what fuck you i will absolutely uh burn myself uh in the hopes that you get singed yeah. Which is funny because it's not necessarily there's like no actual politics to that. Like there's not right. It's a it's a worldview, no. but yes. it is like it's, it's not it's, like doesn't reflect an ideology. No, it's apolitical scared. as yeah, hell. It's fuck you, dad. Yeah. Like the whole thing yeah. is fuck yeah. you, dad. You can go either way with that. I mean, I think it is inherently reactionary because I think those that same impulse you see in a lot of the uh, boomers who are like, I'm gonna do racism now because fuck you. That's right. why it's like <laughs> this. That's exactly right. That it's yeah. this love of negative attention. And this idea that somehow you're supposed to be surprised that someone was like, when they tried to make me fight in an illegal war, I said, fuck you. Right. And it's like, good, good for you. And then they were like, and when they tried to tell me to wear a mask in the supermarket, I said, fuck you again. It's like, well, wait, Exactly. Exactly. And it's what I think I love in particular about David Chase's version of this is that it doesn't seem to... Um, it really doesn't seem to be that deep. It really seems to be about, oh, because I met most, like I've met a lot of you fans and you don't deserve anything good, which (laughs) is like, uh, that's beautiful. Like that level of spite and disdain for like, anyone who likes your art from the from the intellectuals to the doofuses and then a little bit kind of siding with the doofuses even though he also pissed those off but being like yeah no fuck the therapy and the dream sequence stuff like car explode aj cool now like that is head gets smush head gets smushy (laughs) yeah exactly and so yeah the i you know i don't think david chase is you know coming from a place of He's not politically coming from any place. I think it's an apolitical statement. It is, and in general, kind of a punk rock nihilistic fuck you. And I think I've grown to appreciate those a lot more as I've gotten older because I've, you know, you come to a place in life where the amount of people 
especially nowadays, telling you how to do the thing that you are doing and they are consuming, like people who tell you what kind of, you know, stand up is good or like what they what they people constantly feeling open to critique you. I just yeah. beyond just like, oh, this joke or whatnot, but making it this big bigger thing if you don't the, do this em, you are bad the empowerment of fans has been yes basically a yeah. universal negative like god yeah god if only kevin feig had a little bit of uh david chase in him like how much better yeah, <laughs> much yeah. Better that's actually him. a really interesting point that i hadn't thought about too the idea of this being like the last sort of singular statement that you could make because no hbo show had been as big as this yes. before this that he was like grandfathered in in a way that like you wouldn't otherwise be able to be that like even game of thrones which was as big as it was mm -hmm. by the time you get down to the end of it they're just like a million fucking guys you never saw before on set being like there need to be six more tits in this scene find yeah, a place right. for them also there's a dragon now yeah. you know it's just like some dude from the whatever information services at the mm -hmm. algorithm you know department totally telling you that you need to have this totally and and i think also like i look at the game of thrones it was, it was people it's all people doing their idea of someone else's thing like it's mm -hmm. none of them yeah. are empowered to like do the thing that they really want it seems like like that whole last season of game of thrones is like is a bunch of guys in a room thinking what would George R. R. Martin do and yes. they have no blueprint yeah. for it and like even worse it's like you like they're trying to do an impression of someone else and that's yes. always no blueprint bad. but also no real vision outside yeah. of like right. the thing that they've adapted and like but yes that's and also a lot of pressure I think not just from the the viewers but from people who read the books from George R. R. Martin himself maybe you know the idea that like these guys I think unlike the Sopranos ending, I really do feel like the people who made the Game of Thrones ending um, and that entire last season really wanted the fans to like it. Oh, they really thought they were doing them. something good. Yeah. That, and that's what destroyed them. It yeah. was this attempt to please the piggies rather than following like a singular artistic instinct or just kind of like... Or um, just saying, uh, fuck you, piggies, like David Chase. Yeah. yeah, yeah, which is, I think, in You're and of itself, an artistic instinct. And I, yeah. don't like and I think you could definitely, like, you can take The Sopranos and break it down into, like, 80% of it is following a singular artistic instinct. The back 20% is fuck you, piggies. Yes. But, like, it's all, he's saying it with his whole chest both times. I mean, like, you gotta, mm -hmm. and it's it's for sure him. Like, there's not a sense oh, of, yeah. you know, meddling from somebody above, yeah. uh, you know, in the mix. Which, like, yeah, that part of it does make it seem, even when you disagree with it even when it's a miss. And I think there's still, there's stuff that he missed in, even in this totally. episode, there's moments that are misses, you know, but yeah. like he's missing them on his own terms. And I think that definitely does stand out. Yeah. It's watch for sure. And it's like, you know, it's why we're all, everyone's taking a second look at the, you know, George Lucas, star Wars prequels and yeah. everyone's, you know, kind of going like, yeah, they are bad objectively. For the Terrible. record, I am not taking a second look at the George. Yeah, Lewis. I'm not going to do that. But I do think the idea of reappraising it because it's like, yes, there it's no one was saying no to him, you know, and like, yes. and so you got what you got. But like, it is definitely like one of those like last time at that scale that anyone's going to get that much room. Right. Oh, yeah. And and Including I think him. Yeah. And, and I, uh, that, I guess what I'm saying is that like where the other side of the coin being this like machine learning software that creates the slop that we know and like and turns everything into a marvel movie turns everything into a big mac and uh you know you you look at that and then you go okay well 
if I compare that to these terrible George Lucas movies, at least George Lucas has had a vision and it might have been a really bad vision. Strangely racist <laughs> yeah. at points. Strangely <laughs> like, racist. Un, for unmotivated reasons. Unmotivated racist. Just like apropos of, into their Exactly. Apropos of nothing. Um, but at have least you, it was a vision. You've heard that interview where they're where it's like an old tape where they're he and Spielberg and I forget who else are talking about they're they're like coming up with the idea for Indiana Jones. And George Lucas is pushing really hard for yes. Marion Ravenwood to be like 11. A child. Yeah. <laughs> and he was like, what the fuck? And everybody's like, I don't know about that. George's like, no, no. Uh, she was a child. When she says I was a child, it's because they had a weird relationship when he was a grown man and she was 11. Trust me on this, please. <laughs> and please like, trust me. Everybody's like, no, that's weird. It's amazing. And like, whatever. I don't. I don't want anything like what George Lucas... I would love the wealth, I guess. But sure. the idea of just like constantly being in like this flow state of you're always having ideas, they're mm. all bad now. <laughs> but every one of them that you come up with, you deliver as if you're just like issuing like the Sermon on the Mount. Mm -hmm. and, you, yeah. and people are always have to be like, well, it is a, George Lucas did have that idea. Like, yeah. you know, the, the one about him naming characters in the Star Wars video games where they were going to create... They, there was going to be a new Darth in the game. And the rule was that, like, you couldn't just do that. There's, like, all this... Right. ...in Legal the universe. Shit. So you have to go to George. And they went and they were like, we want to create a, a villain for this game that we're doing. Like, it's important. You know, obviously, we're going to be very respectful with it. Do you have a name? And he just instantly said, Darth Icky. And they were like, do you have any... <laughs> Do you yeah, have any yeah. other what names? Else, what else you got? What else you got? And uh, other... Dark Icky. He's like a gooey, gooey goblin. <laughs> like, the part of it that I love is just the like the no hesitation, like just Reggie Miller shooter's confidence. Like, being yes. like I was hoping you would ask me that. Like his name yeah. is Darth Balls. <laughs> yeah. He sucks. <laughs> like, he's... Just shooting from the fucking half, like the, the fucking logo. half court. Yeah, yeah, right from the logo with a little bit of fucking pastrami and like <laughs> mustard stains on his shirt. Darth Icky. So <laughs> I, got, I have one, George. I know this is exceptionally long, but can I tell the one? Oh, George it's fine. Lucas this is the final episode, baby. Right. So uh, this is this is totally gratuitous. I just it's a, a thing about George Lucas that I want more people to know. Mm -hmm. I know that millions of people listen to this podcast, so I millions, many maybe for this episode, a hundred million. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, because I'm on it. So mm -hmm. a friend of mine, a friend of a friend, worked in food service in San Francisco, and is an Italian restaurant, like high end Italian restaurant, and there you know I had a private dining room as these places do, and there was an order that came in and they were like, this is going to the private dining room. Do not say anything to the person who ordered it. Don't bother them. Don't make eye contact. And, and it was, the order was just a lot, just a huge meatball on a plate, like the size of like a softball <laughs> by itself. There might've been some sauce. I don't remember in the story, but I see it in my mind. It's just a, a, a wad, a like meat wad from Aqua Teen Hunger Force. Yeah. <laughs> like and so he carries it into the uh dark dining room private dining room george lucas is in there by himself with a napkin tucked into his shirt he placed the meatball in front of him and he starts sawing away at it say nothing and leave <laughs> that's that's the As george he's leaving, lucas lifestyle. he hears him go hi friend and then he's just ta talking to the meatball he's eating <laughs> i don't your like name it. is lumpy <laughs> 
Jedi like, Master I, Lumpy. I love meatballs, but the thing about mm-hmm. them is uh, usually they're not dry enough. So I was wondering if uh, <laughs> I you love make the, me the largest, uh, driest meatball that you guys have. It's like, it's like don't don't look at him when he's once you give it to him, don't look. And then your friend like takes a peek back, and he's just stuffing it not into his mouth, but into his neck meat, <laughs> yeah, like, just, just under his tongue somehow. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> just like getting that that neck waddle like more and more thick, and you're like, oh, that's how he does it. Yeah. Also, the idea of going to like you know really good Italian restaurants in San Francisco. So probably one of the best restaurants in the United States and just mm-hmm. ordering off menu and being like, what do you think you could make me a uh, one large meatball? <laughs> yeah, just one. just One's one, good, just but one. it better be large or else. Yeah, I will it's gotta be one. big or else I'll be hungry in order too. Yep. <laughs> um, oh, fantastic. But yeah, anyways, George I brought Lucas you the shot, shot put ball to demonstrate the size <laughs> of the meat that I would like you to make me. <laughs> uh, you got an actual round. George Lucas invitation. I'm very impressed. Yeah, that was really good. That was really good. I the one thing I appreciate about George Lucas is I feel like every other, you know, famous person, their kids are in show business and like are kind of obnoxious. Yeah. And I like the fact that George Lucas had like one daughter who became like an MMA fighter and has nothing to do with show business at all. And that is solid. Great. I mean, like yeah. if the alternative is like you would think of all the people with like that level of success and distance from the world, like that's the dude that should have had a Max Landis somehow, but he didn't. Oh yeah, he just had right? like yeah, yeah. It's great. Well, I think George Lucas and David Chase are very similar in that sense, in which are both auteurs. They're both geniuses, um, and they both love meatballs. Yeah, um, <laughs> that's true. Yes, and uh, you know, it ends. The show ends with fucking the. Them eating onion rings, Meadow failing at parallel parking for a while, and then it's just cutting to black. And um, yeah, man, I would say I probably if I had a favorite scene, it would be um, the end um, or also the scene with Tony in therapy. I think those are my favorites. Um, I don't have a least favorite. I think it's all brilliant. Uh, Vince, what was your favorite? What's your least favorite? I mean, I've said my favorite. I still think it's the shot that they should have gone out on. It's actually like one of the most memorable shots in all of The Sopranos to me is just mm-hmm. uh, Polly tanning himself, shooing the cat away from Satrial. It's just excellent shot. I love that one. Yeah. Uh, least favorite, obviously, I've also mentioned that is uh, I feel like we could have, I could have done without Junior this episode. Sorry. Fair. I love Junior and I, he's a great, and Dominic Chianese is a great actor, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah. I feel like Mr. Rep- Chinese. I feel like we could have done without it. That's just me. Yeah. Uh, David, do you have like a favorite or a least favorite scene yeah, or a scene the, we didn't talk about? The therapy scene is incredible. I'm glad that you pulled the clip because the, the scene between Tony and Janice is like, in some ways, is extraneous to what we're, you know, the broader mm-hmm. direction of the episode. But it's just such a perfect bit of very old fashioned TV comedy writing to me that I loved it. Like her. <laughs> yeah. And also, it's nice to see that, like, in some ways, that's like a farewell to Livia as well. That there's just like the echo of like a poor you, like in the yes, background, like yes. hovering over that scene like a ghost. Yeah. Yeah. I almost feel like that ending was a little bit poor you. So yeah, it's like, absolutely. in a way, yeah. that was, that's an alternative title for um, this is uh, poor you. Um, my other alternative title is uh, Yeet. Um, <laughs> yeah. I was wondering because, if somebody was going to make that connection. I'm glad you did. Yeah. You know, instead of uh, Yates, he says Yeets. Um, so it's almost like they yeeted mm. all over our faces. <laughs> um, 
The other uh, alternate title is LOL KYS, which is just uh, laugh out loud, kill yourself. <laughs> just because I feel like that's what David Chase is saying. Yeah. Um, and if I had to give this episode a letter grade, and I've thought hard about this, and I know we've been doing this for 86 episodes. I know that we all have different feelings about the letter grades we give, but I earnestly and honestly say that this episode is a solid B plus Vince. What do you give this episode? Yeah. Um, you know, I really, after six seasons, arguably seven seasons, mm -hmm. I feel like this show finally earned itself an a minus. So congratulations to oh, David Chase. Oh, wow. For, uh, yeah. Kind Becoming of like a salutatorian of my heart. Right. It's one of those Oscars you give to, you know, it's like eh, the movie wasn't great, but he's old and they've been doing all. This <laughs> is like yeah. when Re Return of the King got best picture. It was like it's for the whole thing, not yeah. just yeah, that made Lord of the 12 Rings hours movie. of movies for Christ's sake. Yeah. 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 What are we not going to give them a shiny trophy? Um, David Sting. I don't really listen to his music, but the fact that he's doing it, I respect that. That's kind of what yeah, they I respect did. That. That's what they did for uh, Peter Jackson. No one actually yeah. wants to watch all of Peter Jackson's tedious ass boring shit, but they're yep. like, you know what? The fact that I he's do. doing it, I respect that. I, I like the ones that he's making now where there's so the frame rate is so high that it's like you're there, but like you don't want to be there. Right. It's <laughs> World War One. Like being they're like, really it's like you're in Sean World Astin. War One. Yeah. And it's like, why would I want to be in World War One? <laughs> it's like the one thing I don't want. That's from a the movie -going number experience. one thing I don't want. <laughs> yeah. So I respect uh, yeah. Vince's opinion and I respect yours. I think uh I am going to land probably exactly between the two, and I'm going to wow. give it like a highly approving B plus. Mm, okay, yeah, yeah. a B plus well, plus. Yeah, a B plus or plus. an A minus minus. It's like a musical yeah. thing. It's it's an A flat <laughs> mm -hmm. or a B sharp. It's both. Yeah, it's A. Depends who you ask. It's all the same to us. It is a solid B plus episode of The Sopranos, and you know what? It's a solid B plus series. The yeah, Sopranos. In Y'all have watched the whole thing. I think that's that's pretty high praise. I think so too. I mean, B plus. You really can't do better than that. No. I mean, we're just leaving room for other shows that might reach beyond to maybe A minus level or even solid A level. And um and I think Vince, I think we've reached our conclusion on what that would be. Mm. Um it is certainly been, have. Yes. Well, it has been twenty years. Um in <laughs> in june since the release of this show um and we've decided you know to rewatch one of the greatest tv shows ever made the real world no i'm just kidding uh <laughs> it is going to yes treme no we are going to rewatch the wire that yeah. is going to be the next one. And I know there's some people out there who are like how dare you you should have done mad men you should have done boardwalk you should have done this you should have done breaking bad I understand it's that maybe there's a lot of too things. too obvious a choice, but the thing is, at a certain level of obviousness, you kind of have to do it, right? Like, Right. That's kind of how I felt. I felt like I was getting to the point where I was like, the only reason I'm not doing, the, thinking to not do The Wire is because it's obvious. And that's not a good enough reason. And I will say The Wire, whenever you would say like, oh, Sopranos is my, my favorite show of all time, I would always kind of have to be like, ah, I don't know if I could say that it's better than The Wire because The Wire, um, mm -hmm. yeah, it's the it's the show that I have watched uh, the most times um, yeah. and enjoyed it 
every time on a rewatch level especially it just hits these like different notes where it's like it's a really dense show and it's like very rare that you find a show that is dense and informative and real and yet also is like very catchphrase heavy mm. it's a show in which catchphrases are make i would say a, a gratuitous amount of appearances for a show that's supposed to be the greatest show ever yeah, for a show that's like 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 lifted up to the level it is lifted up it sure has a lot of what did what the hell did i do yeah. like that is like <laughs> that's McNulty's... the david simon experience right there yes like the guy is capable of creating a show that is you know a legit contender for the best show that ever mm -hmm. existed and yet also He's like the guy that's on Twitter calling, on Twitter. you know, calling Mitch McConnell a fuck knuckle, and you have yeah. to be like, wow, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Dude, huh? I've never, <laughs> I've never been so in the tank for an artist whose Twitter persona annoys me that much. Yes, <laughs> much. It's, it's, crazy. it's incredible. And like, it, and like, I am like a huge David Simon piggy. Like, I mm -hmm. watched every episode and season of The Deuce, and I think it's incredibly uh -huh. underrated and uh yeah huge i'm a big time. homicide guy that was a, that yeah. was like a gateway show for me that was yeah. the first show that i think i like not I just, just that started... i realized it could be that good but that also like a thing i cared about that other people didn't care about that you watched on a screen right that was the beginning of me uh becoming this way yeah now you're this way forever yeah, i know i can't do and, anything but about i think it. part of the thing David that makes Chase. a great artist is having uh the boldness to be cringe sometimes and uh yes that's maybe why i, I appreciate david simon yeah so it's it's a different type of um fuck you energy that comes from david simon um and i do think it's a, like there's an earnestness and a cringeness to him that mm -hmm. i i kind of enjoy you know like it's very unlike The Sopranos in a million ways. Number one, I think it is explicitly political, which I think is good, as opposed to us being like Sopranos about imperialism. Yeah, like this is like no, this is this it's it, it is explicitly political, um, and um, it is also something that is carried by not by the acting, which is not yeah. something that you would see. It is notable like, for like one of the best shows of all time. It's notable how few uh, good like, careers it made. Yeah. Right. You know? And and not not to say that there aren't people on that show who did like terrific performance. There's a lot of terrific performances, but it is a weird amount of non-actors and people doing ju uh, a just okay enough job, but not you don't notice it. And it's almost like, well, then did they do a good job? It's hard to tell. But anyways, The Wire is a great we'll show. We'll save that for our next podcast. Exactly. And um also, you know, fucking it's uh it's you guys you guys will like it. You've already seen it. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be fun. So it has been, it has been a wonderful, wonderful time to have you on here, David, uh, David Roth. We thank you for, for coming in, in the clutch for these last, these last, uh, episodes, you know, for the, I am, I, like know. I said it in an email and I'm going to go ahead while we're, while we're talking about celebrating being cringe, Yes. I'm honestly like honored to have been asked to do this one. I was honored oh. to do the other ones too, but this is like, I don't know. I, I love what you all are doing. I love this show and I'm happy to have been given the cleanup spot. So thank you for that. I, I you. appreciate it. Thank you. We, we, uh, we do it for you. We do it for all of you out there who love to hear two people talk about dicks and titties <laughs> and, and TV shows. Um, all it takes I, is one kid. Yeah. wants to hear about dicks and titties exactly yeah exactly you know i may not change the world but i guarantee you one of the listeners of this podcast will change the world because <laughs> they'll hear enough about titties 
Um, but David, we, we truly love having you on. Can we count on you to uh, also be on our Wire podcast? Hell yeah, man. That's one of the few shows I feel as strongly about as The Soprano. So yes, I would love to do it. Fuck yeah. And where can people find you on the internet and shit? Well, that's a great question, man. <laughs> uh, so defector.com is where most of my writing is. I do a podcast mm -hmm. there with uh, Drew McGarry uh, called The Distraction. I do a po podcast about Hallmark movies with Jeb Lund. Uh, Hell yeah. It's Christmas Town. <laughs> and uh, I'm on Twitter at David underscore J underscore Roth. Yeah. No conclusory right. underscore. Yeah. But so lis listen to all, lis listen to his podcast, read his writing fantastic guest fantastic human being we love you which is why we asked hey, you on for this last much. one Back thank you guys. and uh and i love all of you out there you're all great i i i truly like this is you know i hate to we're we're all being bitches right now so let's just be <laughs> bitches you know like um let's just do it and be bitches like yeah like, <laughs> <laughs> exactly uh we are legendary bitches right now but like really this has been a really fun experience we started this podcast as a side project to the frogcast because we were like oh fuck it the sopranos is a good show and why not you know and we knew there was a thousand other sopranos podcasts out there you know contrary to what we've been saying this whole time we're not actually the world's only sopranos podcast um and we kind of were like, this is a side project just for funsies. And then the pandemic happened and everyone started listening, uh, started watching The Sopranos again and listening to the show. And I really, um, I'm really grateful for everyone who uh, has stuck with us this whole time. It's been really nice. Vince, um, what do you have to say that's sweet? Ooh, tough uh yeah i agree i agree with all of those things <laughs> i just want you to be human what do you like, i don't know <laughs> come on buddy let's let's do you know how away. hard it is for me to sit still for two and a half hours it's so so hard i know i know i and know you want i can come up with something earnest at the end of it yes it's be been, earnest it's been very fun uh doing this podcast and uh and hearing everybody's feedback on it it's uh yeah all right but that's a that's like a, a lot much I think that's a little bit much. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's kind of a little bit weird. Okay. Well, despite <laughs> what he just said, that was super weird. Uh, I mean, just way too cringe for me. Um, uh, yeah. No, we really love uh, everyone who's reached out to us. And um, we do hope in the future, obviously, to do some live shows. Um, you know, the downside of the pandemic was obviously that we had to cancel our live show because the pandemic happened. But also, you would have never known about the show if the pandemic hadn't happened. So I want to thank Vince. I want to thank all of the guests that we've ever had. Um, I want to thank our producer, Brent Flyberg, who's done a terrific job. Brent is uh, he's a good guy, hilarious dude, uh, great comedian. Writes and, a great uh, description for every single episode. Yes, he does. And he, he, you know, he puts in work and he fucking makes this so much easier for us to do. And uh, yeah, so send him a lot of love. Um, and yeah, patreon.com slash broadcast. The $8 tier gets you a shout out. Here are our final $8 tier or more um, Patreon piggies. Uh, and um, Vince, everyone kind of came in. Uh, last minute to yeah. get the Ooh. shout out so i hope you have your fucking name hat on dude because this is insane i mean i'm just gonna do like whoo like word association i mean i always kind of do but uh yeah that's kind of might it. be more shooting from the hip than most of them i'm just gonna warn you yeah but also you know you wait till the last minute this is kind of what you got I mean, you know yeah. hey all right first one is anthony fort 
Fortelny. Yeah, Fortelny. We, we call this guy Slurp Juice. Okay, Anthony Fortelli. Fortnite, Fortnite juice. You know, Fortnite. Know. No, yeah, that makes yeah, sense. All right. Okay, next is Josh Kane. Yeah, we call this guy Velasquez. Why? Uh, maybe I shouldn't ask why. So Josh Velasquez Kane. I don't um, know. Sure. I just thought Kane Velasquez. I don't know. I'm terrible. No, it works. Yeah. Um, okay, next we have uh, Raven Allen Corvus Corax. Wow. Yeah, we're going to call this guy girl uh whatever uh, we call him quad he's got four names quad. Yeah. yeah he's got the four names raven allen quad corvus corax uh next is uh michael uh doherty 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 yeah call this guy 90210 okay sick yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Get that that's very one. good i uh, do uh next is anthony de palma oh is that brian's kid we call him scarface <laughs> nice uh okay next we have matthew theakston uh the lisp <laughs> that's yeah i guess it is a lispy name theakston yeah that's gonna be hard <laughs> i hope he doesn't have a list sorry matthew um next is brandon dawson Oof. uh yeah we call this guy the creek okay dawson's creek got yep, it got uh, that one yeah all right uh, next is mark Alongi. Yeah, blink blink one eighty two. Why? One isn't one of those guys named DeLong? Yeah, Tom DeLong. That's where I was. Oh, okay, okay. Um, yeah, that works. Uh next is Daniel Groves. We call this guy the forest. Yeah. Danny the Groves, seeing the, the forest. Danny the, the forest tree. groves. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You got it. You know. Yeah, that works. Um next is Nick Taylor. Old rough and ready. <laughs> hell yeah okay next is pam claridge mm. yeah we call uh we call her um oh boy that's a tough one that's a tough one uh claridge pam we, pam we call her uh the the spray yeah there we go mm -hmm. i was gonna th yeah because it's spray on you know olive oil or canola is one of those yeah Pam Canola Claridge, the spray. Okay. Nikolaj, Nikolaj uh, Lausus. I think it's Nikolai, but yeah. Oh, why is there a J though? That's because that's how you pronounce the J in some of those Scandinavian Weird Slavic lang languages. Disgusting. Yeah. All right. Uh, Nikolai Lausus. We're going to call Nikolai the truth. Nikolai oh. the truth Lausus. Yeah. Nikolai truth, lying truth. I got it. Uh, next, Joseph Barker. Snoop. <laughs> okay. Um, after that is uh, Mark Dammit. Is that a is that a real name? I can't find any other last name except for Dammit. Dammit. Um, we're gonna. Oh, damn! I already used Blink One Eighty Two. Blink One Eighty Two. Yeah, it's too late. <laughs> <laughs> and that person was also named Mark. Uh, we're gonna call. Hold on. Hold on. Mm -hmm. We're gonna call him the River. Oh, because you damn river. Yeah, Very that's what you good. do to rivers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Yep. Okay, next is David Childress. Uh, um, we call him <laughs> the molester. I'm sorry. Oh man. Uh, yeah, we call this guy Big D. I don't know. Okay, David, Big D, the molester child dress. Okay, I'm sorry, man. Uh, <laughs> Big D's better. Um, next is Nick Bova. Well, <laughs> you call this guy. 
D's nuts because <laughs> yeah. Bova D's nuts. Um, yeah, yeah, Nick Bova D's nuts. Mm-hmm. Um, next is Doug Hamilton Evans, the founding father over here. All right, yep. you can do better than that. Well, look, they're not gonna be great. Well. Doug sent a very sweet message in which he told me um, or told us please that he loves the show. He said, please don't use Hamilton as the basis for my nickname. No, he didn't say it. He, he told me at first he thought I sucked and now he likes me. And I was like, sick. <laughs> um, but I think that's fair. Um, Doug Hamilton Evans, the founding father. We'll call him that. Why not? Next, Jeremy Sexton. Mm, we call this guy the virgin. Yeah, yeah, Jeremy, the version six, Andrew Ferrari. Yeah, we call this guy, uh, you know, friggin', uh, oh, he's got a car. He's got a car for a name. Um, yeah. We call this guy Enzo, Enzo Ferrari. Okay, yeah. Andrew Enzo Ferrari, that's very good. Addison Firth. Costello, because uh, okay. Addison just makes me think that should be like an Elvis Costello song. Yeah, sure. Addison. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we have Kyle Herman. Pee-wee. <laughs> oh, that's good. Uh, Heather Rivers. Damn it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that works. No, we call her uh, we call her Dental Dam. Dental Dam it. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, next is Brian Husa. <laughs> Jar Jar. <laughs> <laughs> Who's a Brian? Okay. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh sorry. Yeah, is someone is someone hungry over there? Yeah. They're okay. All, we're all hungry. We're almost done. There's only five more left. Josh, Josh Edge. E-G-E. Eggy. Eggy. Edge. Uh, the omelet. The omelet. Okay. Mm-hmm. Dylan, Dylan Masick. Mm-hmm. Uh, the flu. Okay. Gabriel Garza. Double G. Double G, G. We call him G squared. We call him G squared. Sam Duran. Uh, yeah, we call this guy Big Stinky Fruit. <laughs> okay. And finally, like the durian. You know, you got. No, it. I didn't know. I don't know Big Stinky Fruit, but I like it. Durian Just, fruit. Uh, it's a big stinky fruit. I've never heard of it. You never um, heard of it? I don't know about things. It's a big fruit that stinks. Sick. It's Lastly. <laughs> Um, Marco Lopez Polo Polo All right Those are your shout outs For the $8 tier Patreon.com slash Frotcast I want to remind everyone That in between Us starting Ending this show And starting the new one um, We're going to be Frotcasting And we're, we're going to have A bunch of content So just because be this podcast so hard Yeah Just because this podcast Has no more Sopranos episodes Does not mean That there's no more Matt and Vince content So please go to Patreon.com Slash broadcast Subscribe now And um, You can still join Those tiers And we'll do shout outs In the broadcast episodes And also Fucking Just do it Because I'm about to have a baby And I have a wedding To pay for And Vince just had a baby And like This is it This is our lives now Mm -hmm. man And um, You know We gotta eat Our children have to eat Brent Flyberg has to eat So please Patreon.com slash broadcast. Broadcast at gmail.com for all your questions, comments, and concerns. Vince, what is the Google Voice number? 415-275-0030. All right, everybody. Thanks again so much for listening to all of this show. And we love you. And until next time, don't stop believing.
You want that lamp? He's smiling, she's parking, the key is among him rings A bell rings at the host's entrance, gets Tony's attention The screen goes black and I hit my TV The credit starts to roll like this can't be true To David Chase end his show by saying bop on goo Keep on scrolling, names of cast and crew The Sopranos ended with a prank dude I speak on the phone with my cable provider Hold it on the line behind another colors I get a busy signal while I wait I'm gonna murder David Chase today I waited six seasons to watch Tony Soprano die. David, David, on yourself, we're gone. I'm not listening when you say To be trolled, and I wish I could get closure. Just some closure. People ask what happened, David Chase. Hey, who knows? It's just a TV show now. Suck my dick, you won't stop. You won't <laughs> give piggies their slot. Reading crackpot theories like Tony's too fucking. This is fucked up. I'm a piggy, this is shitty, so I oinked again. Yeah, I oinked again. It's sad. How do I get back there to a show about titties and got a cool show about wise guys, wops, and juice? I hate David Chase. I want something else. To watch Tony Soprano die David, David On yourself a gun I'm not listening when you say Goodbye I might misunderstand the Sopranos It could be dealing with uneasy feelings Of American Empire in its death throes Not fuck that, it's about cool guys I'm too shallow for the snacks I'll watch The Wire And that's a simple show About wires And when this podcast ends We'll take a small break And Francesca and I Will get married And take a vacation Out of L.A. So we are low on money Please go to the Patreon For broadcast I love the piggies I must confess Your little pink snaps They pass the test Fatty little bellies Lap slop from the content trough <laughs> And you hold me and you're oinking Still I wanna eat the piggies Like the comical feel myself Turning some more slop I'm scared Still don't have a job No, no We'll just join the Patreon If you all gave us a thousand bucks a month That would be alright Alright And I wanted something else did Tony live or die? Baby, pod yourself a gun. We just want to say thanks and
talking about the top of the house. My name is L.A. Mac. Yeah, flap, 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 yeah. Up in that house with that gang. So there we go. Uh, I mean, I feel like if you would have had the presence of mind to record that song and put it on the internet uh, right around when the actual finale aired, you would uh, you would have achieved like Justin Halpern levels of uh, prominence and fame by now. But yeah. you blew it. I blew it. You know, I just uh, I think all of my creative juices at the time. Uh, we're being spent on clever ways of getting opiates. Mm, yeah, that's and, it's a tough one. You never can tell when you're going to start using your brain for things other than getting fucked up and being sad all the time. Exactly. So, you know, you know but hey, who, who knows? Maybe one day uh, one of these multitude of Sopranos parody songs will just hit. And everyone will in the world will be like, I got to listen to that Sopranos podcast. Which <laughs> one? I, I'll say one earnest thing and you can take it out if you'd like uh, to. <clears throat> feel free. I love earnestness. There's the best of these songs do manage to get like some sort of real like pathos. Like I feel something while I'm listening to them. And yet I'm on a Zoom call with the man who recorded the song and who I know earlier that week was doing the gabagool gabagool backup vocals like in his home like just uh, probably on the same mic <laughs> and so that's yeah. a really impressive thing to me oh thank you i this is this is the very mic that i used for it and uh i i appreciate that i try to you know man i fucking love you dude and i love i love when people love the songs and that's why i was like fucking I'm going to make the last one the best one ever. The one that uh, you did for when Adriana was killed, I don't remember what that song was, but I remember listening to it on Twitter like, oh, yeah. and just being like, oh, wow, I think this is a good so I think he's doing a good job with this song. Thank you. Uh, that was the Under Pressure one. Yes. And, yeah. I remember that one actually made me emotional because there was this moment where like I cut up all these like uh, parts of Adriana during like the, why can't he give love, give love, yeah. give love? And like, I was like, oh, yeah. I feel sad. Now. Yeah, <laughs> I made myself sad through art, which is not something I do. On, like, it's, I remember horny. I used to make myself horny through art. Yeah, sometimes. that's more. Yeah. That's a more normal. I was way yeah. most people do it. Watching uh, uh, Better Call Saul this week, mm. and uh, and I didn't I didn't click away after the show uh, ended, so I went to the next episode, which is one of the like talking Better Call Saul episodes with oh god fucking Chris Hardwick of all people, and oh, I was wow like, still yeah, still and around. I was like, how does this guy still have a job talking about TV shows when he has done nothing for his entire career except be like you know kind of an obnoxious shill? Uh, but meanwhile, that's, that's us though, dude. Yeah, but you are well, he you he owns his own home in a just world. <laughs> You would have, I agree. You would have Chris Hardwick's career. I, I completely agree. I would have hosted Singled Out. I would have fucking done At Midnight. You're been totally a, right. Been a professional yeah. bowler or whatever else. I would have been a bowler. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, all that stuff. Except for the, you know, the Sex sexual assault. Yeah, yeah, that was fucked up. Yeah, probably um, not that. But if you left that out, then it would be a pretty yeah. Awesome then I, I yeah. Well, anyways, we'll we'll take the rest of this on. Uh, the, you know, we'll take this to the Wire podcast and finish up this Chris uh, Hardwick conversation. <laughs> podcast. <laughs>
Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.